Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Actually, papers this morning talk about issues regarding flooding and flood warnings around the country, to be honest with you. And we had a lot of rain down here uh, yesterday. And I think there may well, I know there were certainly power outages because I was going to buy uh, coffee beans and stuff like that in Harvey Normans yesterday. And they were closed. They had no power. And I'm imagining it must have been weather related. What else would knock the power out of such a, a big business? But they literally had people uh, in the car park just turning people away, saying you can't come in. There's no power. We can't do business. Um, well, other stories making the papers today of course, include Halloween. And you just heard there in the 9 o'clock news with Kira Evans talking about um, restricting children with regards to, you know, trick-or-treating across the weekend. Parents, uh, the, red top, the red tops don't hold back, actually, because they're saying that uh, Ronan Glynn, uh, the deputy CMO, is saying parents should not bring their children trick-or-treating if they have COVID symptoms and if they're concerned with regards to uh, infections amongst the 5 to 12-year-olds. We'll come back to that a little later on with regards to sparklers, but that story is picked up by the examiner this morning that says the 5 to 12-year-old age group are getting COVID at the higher rate now, faster and higher than the rest of the population. So we are talking about about, uh, primary school children, and I suppose that's kind of worrying because that then in itself can bring it home and that possibly then could bring it into the workplace. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Parents have been urged to impose limits then on their children's activity because of the 5 to 12 year old age group. And what's ha- what happens then is that um, it, it's going to change things uh, with regards to, um, you know, accessibility and places that you can go. And I mentioned that because this morning the star is saying that vaccine passes may be needed for hospital visits. I don't think that's a bad idea anyway. I imagine it probably is in place in hospitals, don't you think? The government working with the HSC to introduce vaccine passes or COVID search for anyone visiting Irish hospitals. I'm actually surprised we're even talking about that because I would have thought that would have been in place. But certainly there are problems with um, the amount of operations being cancelled. It's it's kind of coming in now at about 14,000 cancelled operations a week. I mean, that is an enormous number because of this wave of COVID cases. There's a rise in, in trolley figures and we've seen that as well in, in A&Es. The health system's been hit. There are also, and it's not probably talked up enough, is the amount of medics that are out sick or just burnt out or themselves with, with COVID or just ill and not at work. So the system really is struggling and then you got the ICU bed numbers and, and things like that. I mean, CMO is warning that uh, you know further measures may be needed if the, because jabs aren't they're just not halting the spread. You know, the vaccine and double vaccine is not halting the spread. We still have uh, people who are double vaccinated getting very sick and ending up in, in hospital. And then, of course, this is something we dealt with on the air uh, some time back. And that was the wait for ambulances. And I spoke on one morning with three or four different, at least three or four different alarming stories with regards to ambulance calls and where the ambulance is coming from. But Thomas Gould has a story in the examiner this morning of a Cork patient who'd waited for Three hours for an ambulance. In fact, he stood up in the door yesterday, uh, Tommy Gould, very annoyed actually with the fact that there are 8,000 children in Cork on waiting lists for hospitals alone in Cork. 8,000 children. And 10 years ago, we were promised a new children's hospital. Uh, and children in Cork, he says, are languishing on, on waiting lists. Why? I mean, again, it's another political empty promise, I suppose, that 10 years on hasn't been fulfilled. But fireworks, as I was saying earlier on, and the Cork Garda chiefs have come out now with regards to sparklers and you know, the dangers of, of fireworks across the weekend. I will come back to that a little later on this morning. Lots happening in the courts. An interesting one where uh, young people now more and more and more apparently are acting as money mules. They've been contacted by characters overseas 
being asked to use their bank accounts on, you know, international criminals are getting in touch with them by social media. And a lot of people say that their young people are naive, but I don't know why you'd be naive about somebody on social media asking you, can I use your bank account? I mean, you want to be totally dim not to realize that something goes on there. There, But anyway, the, the point being is the judge is saying that um, you could be jailed for your crime. But at the same time, there was a person before him, uh, uh, Elise Esimota from Bandon, who pleaded guilty uh, to possessing in his, 88, his AIB bank account nearly 34 grand for the purposes of money laundering, knowing that the money represented the proceeds of crime. And even though the judge is saying that uh, you'll go, could go to jail for that, he didn't go to jail for it. He got a suspended sentence. And then there's an interesting one where a Cork man uh, who'd over 200 previous convictions was caught with a knife in Cork City. But he told the guards at the time, he was thinking on his feet in fairness, and he said, I was making sandwiches earlier and I put it down my trousers and I forgot about it. That's before the courts, before Judge Olin Keller, who had a busy day yesterday. I mean, he, he did come in contact with the guards at different times because down in Black Rock Village, he was arrested for being drunk and dangerous himself. He was stumbling around the place. In fact, at one stage, he fell into the river. And then in August, he went into the carryout license in Carrigaline um, and he stole six bottles of Smirnoff ice. That off-license gets an awful lot of grief, doesn't it? He had uh, 217 previous convictions and he got a nine-month jail sentence in front of uh, Olin Keller yesterday. Uh, another story that involves um, uh, the courts in Cork is a woman uh, who, who called the guardie at a checkpoint stupid people. Uh, she called guardie at the checkpoint bigots. She was arrested and taken to Grawn uh, Garda Station. She was offered um, an adult caution, but she refused it. Um, so she was calling them stupid people and calling them names and verbally abusing them at the checkpoint. But when it got to court, um, a Romanian interpreter was in the court um, to interpret for her. But Olin Kelleher says, why does she need an interpreter if she was able to say all of those things to the guardie? So it's a kind of bizarre case in the court yesterday. Anyway, she was convicted and fined 250 euro for her behavior when her husband was stopped at a checkpoint. And another um, pension claim uh, for dead a dead parent makes the papers today. It's very interesting because this is a woman who claimed over 70,000 on her dead father's pension. She's been given a year to pay back the money. And that's interesting because we have another similar one like that before the core courts, which could be uh, certainly north of 500 and 600,000. In fact, the prosecution says it's more likely to be up to a million euro in, uh, in false and fraudulent claims of a pension of a father and mother who were dead for well over 30 years. So in, this, in the case of this woman, uh, 55-year-old woman, she's been given a year to pay it back. So one wonders what will happen with regards to uh, our other case here on Side. The other one I'm just referred to is up the country. Uh, Nadim Hussein has been discharged from hospital. He received treatment following his nine-day hunger strike. And that story makes the echo today. And if you work in um, hospitality, albeit uh, a bar that serves food, or indeed a restaurant or, you know, a deli or things like that. Do you get tips? And indeed, if you do get tips and it goes through the business, you know, where you have to give it to the bosses and the bosses share it, um, how, how do you know how much of it you're getting and whether it's fair and equitable? Incidentally, why is it then that when people tip, they never tip the barman or the barwoman, the person who looks after you all night and makes sure you got your drink and topped up and looked after? It seems to be very much food, but restaurants will have to tell customers now how um, both card and cash tips and gratuities and service charges are actually distributed among staff. I don't know how they'll do that, but apparently that will be the law. It's coming in under some new gratuity bill, tips and gratuity bill in the door. So customers will know. I don't know whether you'll have to ask or whether 
they will tell you every time at the table, but you're, you're going to need to know. And I think it's important as well, because a lot of time people wonder, you know, if there's a service charge, why do I pay a tip? Things like that, you know. Might well come back to that, particularly if you have an opinion on tipping. Uh, sad news yesterday from Charlie Bird, who has spent uh, many months now hiding from people, he said, because he knew something was wrong. And this week he got uh, the diagnosis that he feared he had motor neuron disease and indeed he does. Uh, he's a lovely guy. He's just a really lovely guy. I've interviewed him a few, few times during the years and you won't meet a nicer guy and everybody's coming out uh, supporting him and rightly so. Uh, he's the second RT broadcaster to be diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disease and the examiner has the story regarding Charlie Bird and indeed the late uh, Colin Murray in the papers today. It's um, it's incurable but you know uh, medicine now and advances in medical science means that it can be slowed down at least. Uh, at least Motor neurons are tiny little signals and electrodes and electrical uh, messages going from the brain. And for some reason, they just stop working. You know, they stop working and they, they, infect an, uh, they affect an impact on, on the body. So everybody's just a great guy, super guy, very brave and very forthcoming with his, uh, with his uh, chats about motor neurons disease yesterday in the papers pick up and uh, today. Uh, on a lighter note, there's great news for Dunbelievable fans uh, because they have reformed, well, kind of reformed. They're in a new movie together uh, and they're acting alongside Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. The, Gleeson, the film is called uh, The Banshees of Inishir and um, Dunbelievables play a double act. Pat Short and John Kenny play a barman and a barfly, um, a bit like Clancy, um, from the characters in Unbelievables down through the years. So you got the barman and the character on the other side of the bar. And that's, I think that was some of their finest work uh, the, when those characters got together in the Unbelievables down through the years. So I can't wait for that. In fact, Colin Farrell's on fire at the moment. And uh, so are the Unbelievables because uh, the lads were saying the chemistry is still there and they bounce off each other very well. I don't know whether they plan maybe to do some more work together. I think it'll be fantastic. Colin Farrell's on fire. I don't know if you saw him in the North Water. It's a great TV drama. He's just brilliant. Um, and the papers also this morning say, I don't know whether this is marketing or whether we should take it uh, with uh, a grain of salt or not, but because of transport issues and the crisis internationally with regards to uh, cargoes and containers and HGV drivers, uh, this morning, uh, the Red Tops are saying, families facing Yuletide carnage are told, if you need something for Christmas, get it now. As if you have enough to be going on with the back end of October. And then also, as a lovely one making the sun, might chat about this. I don't know that we'll do it today or tomorrow, but text 0868104106. If you could bring somebody back to the dead, from the dead as a dinner guest, who would it be? You know, who would you like to sit and have a meal with, or just go for a pint with, I suppose, that has passed away. Um, I'm talking about celebrities now at this stage, because I know a lot of it would be relatives and friends and what have you. But there's a survey out this morning saying that the top and the most popular famous figure people would bring back from the dead for the ultimate dinner party, roll the drum, is Robin Williams, apparently, followed by Princess Diana, Albert Einstein, Freddie Mercury, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, Winston Churchill, Nelson Mandela, Bruce Lee and Walt Disney. That's kind of interesting. They ain't an Irishman amongst them. So obviously this isn't a survey that was done on this side of the water. Might be somewhat different here, I'd say. 
You'd probably have a Michael Collins in there at least, wouldn't you? Anyway, your thoughts on that and lots more besides text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. Hey, yes, lads, we'll come back to uh, fireworks and sparklers and things like that throughout the course of the morning and lots more besides. But Emer told me, I didn't get to this yesterday because I literally ran out of time, but Emer was telling me uh, a very funny stories during the week. She had to have uh, ADM security call out because her son, Javi, uh, Javi, I should say, locked the keys in the car boot recently. I didn't know you could still do that. Do that but apparently you can. So they called out ADM uh, security. In fact, I had them out months ago. They had to rebuild um, an electronic car key for me. They're fantastic. But they're 24 hours and they're out and about visiting homes and people. They don't charge if kids are locked into the car. And that's really one of their... Um, you know, big um, you know pluses. They they don't necessarily charge for kids being locked into the car. And I mean, Javi wasn't locked into the boot. Let me just say it was the keys were locked into the boot. But anyway, during that uh, visit, Emer was chatting to Morgan, uh, and he was telling her about some of the quirky and strange and funny and wacky callouts that they get from time to time. Morgan. Good morning, Neil. How's How it going? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> There's a book in you, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, it's there is. I never book. mind your tales of the window cleaner or tales of the plumber. <laughs> this would be a great book on funny stories uh, and tales. Yeah. What the what the locksmith saw. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we we get to add one sound through the years. All right. What's the oddest one? Was it the woman handcuffed to the bed? I wonder. It was. It was. It was <laughs> the forty handcuffs. Tell me. First of all, you got the call. Yeah. What was the call like? Um, they they well actually they contacted the guards to know if the guards had keys for the handcuffs, and then the guard contacted us to go up to the um, up to the house. So when we arrived, she was after they were after dismantling the bed, um, but she was obviously still attached. One one arm was still attached to the bed. To what? Like to uh, the headboard? Was it or was it? I a big... don't know if it was the headboard or the, the bottom the bottom end of the bed, but we'll say it was the headboard anyway. <laughs> And um, she was in the the, um, the living room, <laughs> and she had on a brown jacket, but obviously not her, not not the arm that was handcuffed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was the conversation like? Um, well, I, I'm a bit of a yapper, so I was sitting down, and um, I said to her, and I said, "How did this happen?" <laughs> so obviously, then I started going red because. Did she, did she tell you? <laughs> did she tell you what happened? Oh no, she went puce as well. Funny so, enough, I don't think I charged her for it either. Why don't you charge them for it, man? <laughs> you got to make a living going around letting women out of handcuffs. <laughs> was her partner there? He was, he was, he was. Did he say anything? He was. No, he broke the key in the lock. So <laughs> he, he was staying very quiet. So there was a key, but he snapped there it? There was, yeah. All right, he okay. snapped the key were inside they, in the lock. Were they furry ones? They actually were, yeah. They were pink furry handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> was she mortified? Yeah, yeah. Uh, were they ki- she, was, she was probably, I'd say, in her probably 40s, you know? But what are you, why? Are you not allowed to have kinky sex yeah, in your 40s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a quick job, I'd say, was it? More ways than one? Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was. I was got it about 10 minutes. And did, did they say, what do we owe, you know, like... <laughs> no, I think they were just happy to see the back of me, to be honest. So you just like <laughs> unlocked it, made your excuses yeah, and, and left. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and if, if that wasn't bad enough, okay, well done on that one. So if that wasn't bad enough, you were telling her that there was also another incident involving a car, a couple in the woods. 
Oh yeah, that was that was done uh, down by Middleton. Um, they got undressed outside the car and climbed into the back of the car, but they left the keys outside and the car relocked. So they were actually locked inside the car and in the nude. So they they got out of the car to undress. Yes. Didn't have the cop on to pick the the clothes up and the keys and everything and bring them into the car. I suppose they had other things on their mind. (laughs) They did. They were pretty occupied, I'd say. They were occupied. Okay, so, but they did have their mobile phone in the car. Yes. Okay, it's a pity you don't record those phone calls, you know, like 999 (laughs) emergency calls. Yeah. So what was that call like? like? Well, they, they, they told me the keys were outside, but they were inside and they couldn't get out. So it was, um... But they, it's funny enough because they were actually up in the woods, so it was like, and it was late at night. So I was saying, first was it a crank call? But um, <laughs> so you no, drove no. where from yeah. where? <laughs> um, I drove from Cork up into the there's a there's a woods beyond Middleton, so I drove up into that. And were they flashing the lights? I mean, no, 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 no. Actually, it was quite funny when I arrived up because the car was steamed up. <laughs> and next thing you just see they, they wipe the hand there's, there's two little beady eyes looking out uh, whose eyes his or hers <laughs> his, his. <laughs> who did the talking he did he did I had to pass him in his, his, his boxers first how do you do that like do you just uh, you, you I just pressed the button on the, I just went through his pockets and I found a remote and I pressed the button why did they call you why didn't they call a family friend or something I suppose I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you uh, charge them I did. I did. I charged him sixty euros. <laughs> so why did you charge the bit of nookie in the back seat chi- sixty? Because and this is one with the handcuffs. <laughs> I wasn't as embarrassed. Picking <laughs> the remote, picking the handcuffs. So did you have a chat like where they were getting dressed or anything? No. Ah, uh, you like well. Obviously, he passed the key. The, she didn't get out of the car, but he came out of the car, and um, I was chatting to him. All right, while I was. Uh, I had a torch so he what do you what do you chat about like is it just idle conversation or uh, you... no like I was just I, I said gee I said uh, you picked an unusual spot I said uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> it kind of went from there then. <laughs> so, and then you got a woman who didn't want to pay for a call out and was he, rang you for advice was it yeah um, her dog was after walking on the central locking button in the car so she rang um, she didn't want to pay for the call out but she wanted me she wanted to put her phone up against the glass so I could talk to the dog <laughs> and get the dog to press the button again to open the car are you are you serious <laughs> yeah 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 that's genuine. So, that's genuine so she'd put you on speaker up against the glass yeah, yeah. of a window that's up in a car yes did you do it I did yeah sure sure why not what did you say <laughs> I whistled <laughs> Did it work? No. So, so what did she say next? Um, you know, she said she she was walking backwards from one side of the car to the other to try and get the dog to press the button, and eventually then I had to come out and open it. That happens a lot, though. I'd say it does. Yeah, it does. Like like especially during the summer when people go to the beach and stuff, we'd be we'd be very busy. It's th- that can happen with the dog for those little fiddly Dan pop yeah. up buttons, right? Yeah. They because they they like to jump up on that ledge to look out the window and bang, car's locked. Yeah, keys yeah, inside. Great, actually. And is there any is there any way around that? Any kind of safety mechanism that's ever been designed? 
to prevent you these kind actually, of... You, you, if you go back to the main dealer, they can actually um, they can switch it off so that when the ignition is turned off, you can only lock the car with your remote. <laughs> But, um, They're very funny stories, man. I have to tell you. <laughs> Good. Are you still doing the free call-outs for kids? We are, yes, we are. We Do you are. get many during the, well, during the summer? This summer, no, we averaged about. Um, uh, I was looking at it last night. About two or three a week. <laughs> well, why so, do you? Why don't you charge for them? Because it, that's part of our civic duty. Like, is it? We, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to give something back. <laughs> What did Mrs. What did Mrs. Woman do? She eventually told you, "Okay, come out and I'll pay you." And you came out and yeah. let the dog go. But she actually yeah. believed that you could talk the 100%, dog. One hundred percent, yeah. Into yeah. doing what, like that? That I could talk to the dog to get the dog to press the button, <laughs> the car open. She was fully convinced of it. Like she was actually ever, disappointed that I didn't do it. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever think that people are winding you up when you get these kind of calls? Sometimes, but like you know, when people are under pressure, I suppose they'll they'll do whatever they you know they'll panic. whatever makes sense at the time. This conversation now will probably get you more wacky, weird, and crazy calls. <laughs> you can be sure of that are they some of the better ones? There, they're some of the broadcastable yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, they're some of the broadcastable ones. <laughs> are there yeah. are there many handcuffs out there with keys that snap? I wonder. Um. Well, that's the only one I've come across in 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 twenty five years. Like so. I suppose most people will have two keys for their handcuffs. You gotta wonder why it was she was handcuffed to the bed and not him, but that's probably a story for another day. Oh. <laughs> you'll have to ask them this. Alright, okay. Okay, well listen, stay in touch, will you? For the not next for the next chapter in the exploits of Morgan O'Donovan and ADM security, because we'd love to hear some more. <laughs> Thanks very Cheers, much. my man. All the best. Cheers. Morgan O'Donovan, available for all your crazy call-outs. ADM Security. Check him out online. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Hi, Liam. Good morning to you. Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Um, mind you, you're in a predicament where you're looking down the barrel. Your fear is that you're looking down the barrel of homelessness, is it? Exactly, exactly. I'll be 70 now next, um, the 23rd of May, and the homelessness, homelessness should be entering my life, I'd say, in the 30th. You know, the way things are happening, like I've got my, um, my notice of eviction, like notice of termination, as they call it now, like. Yeah. So I have until, um, I'm 10 years in the house. And uh, I've until the end of May before the landlord says he's selling the house. Yeah, I know. I so, know. Yeah. Yeah. You've got. Um, Can I tell you where I'm living? Yeah. Well, just the general area is fine, but yeah. I, I know that you have. East Cork. East, East Cork, East yeah. Cork. Because yeah, you're yeah. 10, years, 10 years or more in the house, you get at least 224 days uh, notice yes. period, and, and that's being followed. God Almighty, it's not, it's not the greatest 70th birthday present to be given somebody, no, is it? No, 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 no. And you know something? The, the future isn't very bright either, Neil, because um, I'm. I, I, as I'm getting into all this, like about houses and you know this, uh, the county council and trying to get sheltered housing and this and that and the other thing. You know something? I, I honestly, I don't have any hope. Like, you know what I mean? 
it's a f- no, it's a fearful it. time. I can understand why you it say is, you're. Yeah. Why I, you're I mean, you have it every day, and it wakes me up in the morning. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, but you were listening to the you were listening to the five young people in the house who are being given I their was. marching order, orders. I was. Yeah, yeah. And Tommy Gould there that started it, like when he said that some of the um, um, some of the tenants are, that he's on to, um, are afraid to speak with the landlord because of. Because of what happened to me, I suppose. Do you, do you know what I mean? I, I know, can identify with all that. Like. I understand. I know. I mean, in your own in your own situation, it's very unfortunate for you, and it's a real worry for you. But Absolutely. You, but if you're given the proper notice, there's not much yes. you can do about it. I you know, know, and I, I know, I know the landlords nowadays. They're quite entitled to do it. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. And I'm listening to it. Um, I don't know how many times I have friends down here like that has got the same treatment. I know, Do you know, I know what I mean? Like, I know, but you're nearly and it's 70. it's just part for the course now. And I mean, I can't afford a rent that's out there now would set uh, on 250 euros um, a week a pension. And then they're looking for... Twelve and fourteen hundred for the, I mean that the maths there don't uh, work out. No, sure. Your incomings you know are I mean? your incomings are a thousand a month, and your outgoings Absolutely. on rent would be two hundred, Abs- maybe three hundred more. But so how? Yes. I mean, if it, is it true that all of your pension goes on rent? Um, well, well, I mean, uh, I'm saying that's what's going to happen. I'm unhappy now. Um, oh, you're um, happy. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So yes. you, so you so would. When I walked into this house, like it was cheaper. You know what I mean? I know. But no. Do you know what I mean? It's just, just, it's just impossible. So therefore, and I mean, uh, people of my age, you know, like getting onto the county council and expecting a host. I mean, I don't expect them to, to come out and say, here you are, you're our race. I mean, I'm one of a thousand. I'm one of thousands. And you wouldn't be prioritized. You wouldn't be prioritized because of pensioner status or your age. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I've tried to get any information, and everything I'm getting is very vague. I know. I know. And then you ring the the um, uh, the, the straight road up there, the county council, and you're put on. If, if they answer the phone, you're put on to this person, and then oh, that's not my department now at all. You'll have to get on to him, and you're getting on to him, and you know something all you're doing is waiting and getting nowhere so you're getting the runaround then i should you know i'm I, i'm not you know i didn't come down in the last shower rain at all either, you know i can assure you and are you are you afraid that you could actually be homeless i mean like i'm uh, afraid that i could be at, at the moment neil all i have is my car and i would say look i have worries about where they put my stuff and everything your whole life do you, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You see, when you have this, it's your whole, it's your whole personal space, like. Yeah. And that when that's taken away from you, I mean, I think you have to open your eyes and react, like. Yeah, and I that's know, all but, I'm doing. Yeah, like, but you have possessions you know? and everything. No, I'm just, I'm exactly. just, I'm just wondering. Uh, uh, did you have family, Liam? I'm. I. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I'm on my own, and I have to fight on my own. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Yes. That's that. That's it. Like. And you know, and I mean, surely be to God, you won't end up on the streets, or you wouldn't end up well, in, in surely Simon. Be to God, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just gone to a stage, you know, um, Ian, that I will ask anybody, or to, um, I, I will try and highlight it. I'll, I'll, I'll try and do this if somebody suggests this to me. I'll do that. I'll do the other thing. Do you know what I mean? Because I mean, it's all about me. No, I have to try and, you know, survive. I know the clock. Well, the you clock know, is ticking. And I is mean, is your health yes. okay? I mean, could you be prioritised because of health issues? No, no, you're fine. No, no, I can't. They want they want two um, 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 medical people now over you to send in on on the thing. You know, you must have a doctor. 
uh, know it, and you must have another professional. Sure, if there's it. nothing wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with you. And in sure, one way, and in one way, that's a great complaint to have. But on oh, the other I hand, I know, and, and you, I know. I mean, I am healthy, thank God. And are you looking at ads for rental properties all over the place? Ah, oh, forget it, forget it. No, is Do it you know what pr- I mean? Is it the price it's you're looking at? It's the price. It's yeah. the price, um, Neil. Yeah. Do you well, know what I mean? I mean, w- would you go from a house to a one-bed apartment or something? That kind I of would. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I, I would go. There was um, a councillor said to me there, look, Susie, would you go down to um, uh, Baltimore? So I, I'll go up to Carrent Hall now today in the morning if I had a place. Go you know away, what I mean? really. You're just not fussy at all. Well, I'm not, but I, I, I love the country and I love being near the I, sea. I know, um, but yeah, but what you, you don't know? want is um, uh, a room and a bed and breakfast. You don't want that. Oh, gee, no. Or, or I've heard of uh, what, pe- what is happening, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to say it. I, I you know, I, I just don't want to say it. the worst thing, like. Yeah. That can happen, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, because that is frightening. Like, well, don't even and, don't even be thinking about homeless on the streets know, or in a tent I, or anything like that. You know, the way things are nowadays, um, Neil, you you know, it's, it's just impossible. Like, how much is the rent, incidentally? Do you mind me asking? Where? Where you are? At the moment, yeah. Yes. Well, well, you see, I moved in here. Tell uh, about I'm only paying about twenty five euros a week now. Plus the hap, I mean, what's that? Plus that, oh, plus that, about 550. Oh, what's that when I went in? Which you see, you had I never went up, but I, I maintained it. You know, I painted it and I done this, that, and the other thing, and I fixed everything I could. So, you know Hap paid, paid, paid the vast majority of it, yes, 550. Yes, yeah. yes, the whole lot of it, actually, at the time, like, you know what I mean? You need to talk to a local councillor or TD I've because if, no, but if nothing to, else, your hap would go up. You know? Well, you see, I I don't know, um, Neil. I can't get information. I think I'm after inquiring about everything possible at the moment, like, and and that's why you you know that's there's not a thing. No, I don't think that you could ask me did, uh, did, right. did I do it because I'm probably after doing it, like you know. But what you're I mean? not going to get anywhere for five hundred and fifty. Oh I mean, you, no! You'd have to I be know, throw, you'd have to be throwing all your pension at it, and then oh, wonder sure. what you're going to do to eat. Yes, yes, yes. You see, the, the, you see, the half will pay 500 off of whatever is um, on the market. For God's you know? sake, man, you wouldn't get a garden shed for that. Sure, I know, I know. You wouldn't get a toilet. God almighty. Do, do, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I mean, it's only making it harder. And I, I mean, that's all right, but it's the mental, um, the mental thing of it, like, do you know, going around with it in your head all the time. Like. Are you thinking about it all the time? Well, it does. It wakes me up in the morning. In, you know yeah, what I mean? It's the last thing you think of at night. Where are yes, we going to be this yes, time yes. next year? What? Because you see, anything yeah. else you can live with, like, well, you can live with because you'll have somewhere to live. Which well, you see, absolutely, with yeah. this, like, you know, with this, this um, it's, it's, it's awful. And have you, you know been in Cor- have you been in Cork all your life, Liam, and worked your way? Yes, in? Yeah. I was born in Douglas. Yes, and I lived in Cork all my life. I came down here about 10 or 15 years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I did, Cork isn't the place I'd like to go back to. Do you and know what I mean? And oh, no, no, I, like, I like the fields and the, yeah. I love the sea. And did you, know you work I mean? away all through your life in Cork as well? I did, yes. I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? I was driving. 
Way before your time now, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> gosh, you still have a few years on me, thank God. <laughs> I have. I no, but have, I mean, that's I just have. the point. That should be the last thing at your mind, you know, coming sure, up to your 70th birthday. I know, I know, I know. And I mean, coming on the radio isn't uh, a big, isn't, um, it isn't the thing that I favour doing. Like, no, you know and I mean? that was my next point. It takes an awful but lot I'm to swallow to your, it, like, it takes a lot to swallow your pride. It does, yeah. And when desperate measures are what is the saying, desperate take desperate measures, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah, desperate yeah. times? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I just have to look after. I have to stand up for myself um, now because I, I I just have to. Do you know? And I, I think I'd rather to because I'm able to speak. You know what I mean? And speak honestly. You know, you also have a right to your independence at that age. You know, of you're not course, over the hill. You need, course. you know, it's not as if you need to of be looked course. after, minded, uh, moved yeah. to a nursing home yes. or anything like that. You, yes. you just no, want your own no. place. You know, it's I've like, another, I, I have another 70 years left, uh, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> I hope you're right. You'll be in the you Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We yeah, see, but listen, see. to be petrified and worried you know, every waking moment, that's terrible. See, you know, that's your mental, be, on your mental health, never mind your physical I know, health. because I suffer with anxiety anyway, like, you know what I mean? It's, oh, it's just heightens it. You know what I mean? And I, that, I, I, I know all about that stuff and all that. You, you and know can, I mean, I mean can, so you get I a letter, can you get a letter from your GP saying all of that? that I sent it away. I sent it away, Neil. I'm a headier boy. I sent that up to them, the Cork County Council, and they sent me back a thing to uh, send back a form to fill in with a big highlighted version of "You must have two professionals." Can you get a second professional? I mean, uh, like, would you would you uh, mind? Where, where, will I, huh? where will I get one? Where will I get one? Do you know what kind of a professional? Are they want a surgeon? No, but your GP might refer you refer you for a counselling session, and you'd get it there. Yes, I, 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 yes. Right. Well, listen, listen. Have a think about that. I don't that, know about that too good. Um, I, I don't know. I know about that. Like, I mean, if I can do something, I will. Would you mind you know if we? I mean? Would you mind if we got in touch with the county council and just made some representations on your behalf? That would be brilliant. Okay. okay. Um, All right. Um, well, let, let us do no, that and give us, a, I mean? give us a, give us a few days at least anyway to get some kind of, of a response back. Because you, and thanks very much oh, for highlighting I mean, this for me. Like you know what I mean. Well, we're in a bad place if people of your age all your life living and know, working in Cork know, and everything. I know. I know, I know. Should I know all that myself? Like, but um, you know, I, I think it takes sometimes, like people like yourself, like the the way people might listen. You know, the, the way that the way that people are living. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. No, I mean I hear a lot of you younger know? couples and families rearing children, but uh, it's, it's, it's rare enough that you hear of pensioners looking down the barrel of homelessness. Yes. So listen, I know, I know. Let, let, let's see what happens. Let's make some okay, representations. I, Be back to you, Liam. All right. I, and thanks very much indeed. Not at all. all Thank best. you for coming Bye. on. Cheers. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. We do get in touch with the, the Cork City Council or Cork County Council when we have calls just like Liam's call. Um, and in the past, unfortunately, what they say is Cork County Council does not comment on individual cases. And I'm expecting them to say that as well. But we always send the paperwork and a lot of the time we send the audio of the interview. So... While they, may, while they may not comment on individual cases, I think at least we make them aware of these particular cases that we deal with. So I can't say that I'm optimistic on behalf of Liam, but at least, you know, we're, we're, we're making the calls and pushing the buttons and trying to push indoors. But um, it's a very, very sad scenario when you have somebody who will be 70 on the 23rd of May and homeless on the 30th of May next year. Um, and it's all about, you know, not having somewhere 
uh, to move to and somewhere to live. Uh, I was just thinking about that actually when you know I was chatting with them or after I was chatting with them that um, so many places then where uh, you know if people say elderly people or, or pensioners or what have you in their own homes and and living alone a lot of the time they can be big houses they could be three four bedroom houses or even two or three bedroom houses but they may well be alone I don't know if anybody has in the past just engaged in a house share amongst amongst pensioners now I suppose that a pensioner might be or somebody living alone might be a bit nervous of, of, of a stranger in the house. But if you get around that, you know, certainly somebody who didn't want to be living alone or was lonely or would like the company of a of another person of a like-minded age, like-minded sentiment and, and same age, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Some kind of a, a house share for pensioners or who didn't want to be living alone or might feel more secure or safe with somebody living with them. Because God knows there are a lot of people who are alone um, and indeed uh, who may well be lonely on their own. But I don't know if that's ever happened in the past. Perhaps you might uh, text 0868104106. But it's a bizarre uh, text here, uh, and I'll read it for what it's worth, but certainly I will check it out. I think maybe Ken O'Flynn, Councillor Ken O'Flynn, might be across this one. Listening to that chap, uh, Liam, on the air, it's a disgrace that so many houses are idle around the city while listening to conversations like Liam. Um, as an example, Madden's Buildings in Blackpool. There are 13 houses unoccupied. unoccupied. In Madden's Buildings, in the, in the two terraces, 13, really? That many? Uh, 13 houses unoccupied that could be done up in a month. And then you listen to our local councillors and you think that they can solve all the problems if they got into government. Um, I know that we checked with that texter, but they're not answering the phone. So it is something I'll look into just to see if that figure is accurate or what is the actual figure. Say, for instance, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful house, little homes there. In fact, I was born there in, uh, in Madden's buildings and very, very happy memories there. Beautiful, beautiful neighbours, fabulous place. Uh, but 13 of them unoccupied? That sounds bizarre. Sounds like a high number. So more on that. But uh, text 0868104106. Um, I'll come back to calls in a, in a couple of seconds, if you don't mind. But uh, just a few texts and emails, because otherwise they just get away from me. Listening to Operation Transformation calls yesterday, um, and we did a Twitter poll, and I'll give you the end result of that Twitter poll a little later on this morning. But um, interesting email saying, listening to your show uh, yesterday on people who gain weight and others who comment on it. That was a that was a conversation I had with uh, Vincent. Uh, I'd rather if you didn't give out my details, but please feel free to read out the email. I hadn't spoken to my dad in years, but made an effort during the summer to call to his house just to try and reconnect. The first thing he said to me was, you're after putting on weight. You're after putting on weight. I'm a healthy weight, but because he hadn't seen me in so long, there was a, a difference in his eyes. I thought to myself, what's the point in this? After a very quick exchange, I just left, and we haven't spoken since. My brother was with us during the exchange, and he pointed out to my dad a few days later that his comment hurt me. My dad's reaction was that he said nothing wrong. I was diagnosed with depression earlier this year, which I think he knows about, and having been trying to get fitter to help my mind... Um, so his comment cut a lot deeper than maybe it should have. Um, anyway, the point being, people should be more aware of what they say to others as they don't know what the triggers for other people are. Don't give him my details. But that's from a chap who went to visit his dad with his brother and the dad said, you're after putting on weight. I think that's unfortunate. You were certainly holding out an olive branch and you wanted, I think you probably still do, perhaps want to reconnect with your dad because at some stage you'll want to reconnect and it'll be too late. You'll be gone. So um, I would encourage you not to give up on that. Sometimes people say that, you know, and they don't think before they link. And it was probably out of his mouth. And what probably wasn't meant 
it was probably more of a conversation piece, you know, as opposed to, I don't think he was criticizing you. And, you know, sometimes people say things like that and they just don't think of the hurt they might do. But I hope you don't give up on the reconnect. Uh, it's clearly a weight loss show, Operation Transformation. However, its main aim is to change your way of living, to make healthier choices when it concerns food and exercise, uh, says one texter. People were critical of Operation Transformation and there is a petition to have it taken off the air. Uh, I completely agree with all that's being said about weight and mental health and people commenting on it, but it both goes both way, ways. My sister is naturally very skinny, all my family is for many generations. And she was excluded and bullied by her peers because they said she was trying too hard uh, to be anorexic. Uh, she has tried to gain weight, but she couldn't. Her only option would have been to start eating junk food and become unhealthy. Unless it's coming from a place of love when you're worried about someone's health, no one should ever comment on people's appearance, ever. I'm unable to take call. Feel free to read this out. Vincent yesterday was saying that People would make remarks about his weight gain. And he was saying that his weight gain was down to the medication he was on for bipolar issues. Just a message regarding your conversations on fat shaming. I recently lost seven stone in weight. When I was at my heaviest, people would say, I need to lose weight. I used to feel so worthless because of it. It was a horrible way to live. But since losing the weight, I'm so happy. But people still comment on my weight, telling me now that I've lost too much and not to lose any more because I'll be too thin. It's no wonder that people suffer with anxiety related to weight. Why do people feel they have the right to comment on someone's weight one way or another? Well, they shouldn't. They just shouldn't. It's nobody's business unless it's a close family member and you're at a stage in your life where they feel that you might have a heart attack or literally collapse because of it. And the jury's still out on whether abuse leads to addiction. Uh, you could have a family of two to five. They all grew up in the same environment. One will develop an addiction, the others won't. Point being, people go through horrific events in their life, but it doesn't necessarily lead to addiction. It's not simply black and white, says Tony on the College Road. And that's another point that Vincent was making yesterday. He eventually managed to trace back his abuse of alcohol uh, and his lifestyle uh, to abuse in primary school. Um, lines open on that, one 106 But just this side of uh, 10 o'clock, let me just get another call. And we're talking to Morgan from ADM Security with regards to some crazy call-outs they've got. I hope you heard that around about a quarter past nine. Chris certainly did. Chris, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Ah, here we are, the, the man who, who keeps on giving story after story. And this involves... I tell you one thing, I'm only telling you this now because I know you won't tell anyone. I won't tell us so. I'm actually, I'm actually astonished that men actually take baths. I thought men only took showers. No, no, the shower follows after the bath. Oh, for God's sake, a bath and a shower. Yes, you have the, the bath first to do the muscles and then you have the shower. To I haven't shower. had a bath since I was a child. Oh, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. But let me tell you my embarrassing story because I know, you know, I know you won't tell anyone. No. You're, you're, you're like that, right? Our secrets. Um, basically, anyway, I had my bath, had my shower, had my towel dried, turned back the key in the, uh, the old door and snap. <laughs> I'm holding the knob of the key in my hand. Oh my God, oh my Christ. So anyway, You're holding the knob so, uh, of the key. That sounds interesting. The knob of the key, yes. The knob of the key. The, the, yeah. <laughs> so with that, anyway, I call my beloved partner. She tells me I'm not a locksmith. There's nothing I can do. After uh, half an hour, we agree that there's, uh, she tells me there's keys in under the sink in a wicker basket. So I rip it out. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Shall I call a locksmith? I said, you're not calling any locksmith. I'm not telling anyone that I locked it in the bloody bathroom. So with that, there's no key 
number 14 is the key I wanted. There was no key in the in the wicket basket. After an hour, I agreed. There you go, call. Call whoever I said, I don't care. So, But what had you, you, I mean, you know clothes in there was just a towel, like. And it was a small towel. It wasn't the big <laughs> bath towel. It, was, it, was, it wasn't, you know, right? So with that, uh, she called somebody I didn't know who. I'm sitting on the loo thinking, I'm so fucked. I'm so embarrassed. Sorry about that. Um, so anyway, I heard this voice outside the door. Chris, that you? Who's uh, there? He said, uh, Adrian. All right, okay. He said, uh, the key you're holding, my number's on it. I said, 14. Three seconds later, I hear a jangling of keys and number 14 appears and opens the door. First of all, I paid a man for the call out. Second of all, because he's a regular for breakfast, I had to give him a tip. And third of all, I ran into the bedroom so embarrassed. I've been embarrassed in my life, but this was the, this was the ultimate. But my point being that, uh, first of all then, uh, he leaves. I, I'm, I'm so embarrassed, so embarrassed. And uh, then my wife said, but look, there's keys there. She didn't tell me there was a second wicker basket behind the first wicker basket. And there were two number 14 keys inside the second wicker basket. Why? Why are there keys in a wicker basket in the bathroom uh, anyway? She'd keep, she'd keep keys. She'd keep anything. <laughs> you must have a big bathroom if you have two wicker baskets in it. Yes, well, one was a small one and one was a, a larger one. And I, I only pulled out the small because the first one I saw. Uh, and, but to, it, to their credit, they were out in, in, in less than 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I paid for it and, and accepted a fantastic service. But also a girl here in the car park, uh, she, her, her lock was banjaxed. It basically wouldn't open, it was banjaxed. And I said, look, I'll ring Morgan. I said, he's one of the best around and he is the best around. And uh, out his lad came, took away the lock. 14 minutes later, he had her back in the car with a, with a new tree. Oh, no, they're brilliant. Back. They really are. They have some great yeah, stories. Okay. You, you didn't you didn't contemplate climbing out the bathroom window and across the small roof I and jump down course, into the back garden? I did, of course. <laughs> I, I, I had a good look at the Velux and I thought, I could, I could, <laughs> and then I thought, no, I couldn't actually, no. The drop, the drop is a full, full house drop. There's no... In my younger years, I would have done it, but not now, right. uh, as, you, as, you, as you can imagine. But, uh, okay. Okay. I can tell you, excellent service, excellent service, and save me all the embarrassment. And does he does he get uh, burritos from the Flying Burritos, the Cork Builders Providers? He oh, does? he does, of course, yeah, yeah. We, we, we keep them well fed. Right. But um, I can, I, I'm only sharing this now because I know you'll keep it to yourself. Well, it'll be our story. It'll be our yeah. secret, don't worry. I have a lot of secrets belong to you and I won't share them with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Can you Good luck. Back after 10 on 1850-104-106. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just a couple of texts and then I'll talk to Evelyn and Lisa if you don't mind. But uh, so lovely text came in there. Uh, this probably was earlier in the week. We were in Cork City that last night and got the bus to Kinsale from Cork. But there was a man who was very drunk who fell by the bus station down a laneway. He could have been very easily hit by a car. However, these two young guys stopped the traffic, picked him up, and put him back sitting up. They then went down to Simon as well, I believe, with him. Walked him down to Simon. They stayed with him for over half an hour. 
I feel, I really feel we should mention them as young people have a hard time with it. They saved his life, I believe, says Susan. And so do I, Susan, because he equally could have stumbled his way to the quayside and literally fallen into the river. Now, I suppose, unfortunately, Simon have a, a, a policy of no admission if you're, if you're drunk. So he probably didn't get into Simon the misfortune. And you know what? If it was one of those wet nights like last night, you feel for people who are homeless on a night like last night, you wouldn't put a dog out in that. But yet there are human beings out there living in it. Um, and I know what you're talking about because I came across a gentleman some weeks back myself from McCurtain Street who was very, very drunk, very inebriated and he fell out in front of my car. He's a lovely guy. All he wanted to do was laugh and joke and, and chat and, and just just hang out. And I stayed with him for about a half an hour but I was very worried about him because he too could have gone down the quays, you know, down there by uh, the side of the Coliseum and literally fallen into the river. He he tottered off up McCartan Street and I hope he was okay. I went to Anglis Street, Street Guards and they were looking out for him. I really have a negative thing to say with regards to what you do and I agree with 98% of your statements. However, yesterday morning you were talking about the bike, the Honda 90 being burnt out. Nahini has enough bad reputation without the statement you made that the water tower is a graveyard for bikes. I'm sorry the gentleman's motorbike was robbed and burned out. I think it's ridiculous and it's wrong. However, I don't think it's fair to peg Nahini for a worse reputation uh, for, you know, one or two bad apples. No, I'm not talking about the area. I'm not talking about the people. I'm just talking about the fact that I've been up there, uh, up around the tank field, and I saw burnt out bikes and burnt out cars. It's nothing to do with the good people of Nahini. It's just being used as an area. Uh, sometimes to, to rob the brake, bring it up there, scramble on it, and then burn it out it is in no way a criticism of the good people of the area. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six to um, to Evelyn. We go, Evelyn. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. So How somebody, are you? I'm well, thank you. So somebody sent me a text saying that there are thirteen vacant houses between the two terraces of Madden's buildings, and I thought that was an extraordinary amount. But what can you tell me? Well, I think it's higher. What? Because. I spoke to you before. I spoke to you last Christmas. Right. Do you remember about the, the young fella who helped to put out my wheelie bin? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And you were telling me that you lived in number 24. And Correct. I said there was a chap living in there now. Good stuff. Delighted from. And you were saying, did he like it? I said he loved it. He just settled in there. But since we spoke now, he was found dead in the house. Ah, the misfortune. Year. That's sad to hear. Poor devil. And the man next door to him then, both, only a few weeks after him, he was taken by ambulance into hospital at quarter past 11. He just pronounced dead at quarter past 11. Ah, dear me. Isn't that terribly sad? And the woman next door to him then, she had very bad senile dementia. Yeah. She got Alzheimer's. Yeah. She was in the nasty for a month. And she went into a nursing home. And we're coming up now to nearly 12 months again. Number 24 now, 25 and 26. And, that's, and there's some of the reasons. Those are the type of stories as to why um, homes are then empty and no one in them. Yeah. Yeah, people pass away, know, they go to hospital, they go to nursing homes, yeah. yeah. Because by and large, there'd be a lot of elderly people in Madden's buildings living there, wouldn't there? Is that still the way? Well, they used to be, Neil. I mean, you remember May Cunningham. I do. I remember all the Cunninghams. Yeah, and May died. Yeah. May died two years ago. May's house is still empty. And the house next door to it, then number 38. You know, that goes around the corner and it has the bull then on the wall. That's right. The, the drover and the yeah. bulls, yeah, yeah. I moved in here 17 years ago 
And I was here two years. And you know, just going up and down the terrace, you, you just get talking to people. Yeah. And her husband died, God love her, and she couldn't get over him. And she said to me, then I'm leaving. Her daughter had a garage and for a house that converted it into a And she went to live with her daughter, yeah. And she went to live with her daughter. That was 15 years ago, Neil, and the house is still empty. And it's only in the last 45 weeks they're after starting to do work on that house. So there's 10 houses in my road. 15 years you've been passing it with no activity and no one living in it. No, she's gone. I've seen 15 years, though, not 15 months now. No, I'm here 17 years, Neil, and she moved out two years after I came here. Did they just forget that they had it or what at City Council? What, like? Huh? 15 years. And it, and perf- perfectly good home. I walking past that house. I was there the day the woman moved out. And she had a lovely spray of artificial flowers in her window. And she actually gave them to me as a keepsake to remember. And she left 15 years ago, turned the lock and, and nothing's house, happened since. They only started work on that house. You see, it's, it's on Madden's buildings, but you have to run the corner and I know the front it. door yeah, then is on yeah, the Walsh Watercourse Watercourse Road. And are they still, are they, t- are they still two bedroom little homes? They are, yeah. We have an open plan nowhere long ago. The, the wall was down the middle. Yeah. You had the front room in the kitchen. And you had the, the well, you had the front room, you had the front room, um, the, you, you had kind of like the second room and then there was a kit, the, the back kitchen off it. And the back kitchen, well, they took down the middle wall. Every time a house became empty then, they broke away the middle wall. So now we have one big room and it's a, a sitting room and a kitchen. Which makes it much bigger. So you, you've given examples to me this morning as to why they become vacant, for three or four different examples, but you think that there's more than 13 between the two yes, terraces? If there's 10 in my road, there's definitely more than three in the other road. Because if I'm coming back like what you're shopping, the taxi man would drive up the other road in order to come down my road. And I'd say there could be five, maybe six houses. There's definitely more than three. So there could be upwards of 15 houses empty. But where I am now, there's a woman living down the road for me. Very quiet woman. Then there's me. And two doors up for me then, there's another woman. And there's another woman two doors up from her. We're the only four women now living on the road. And are you so saying that a lot of younger families are moving in now? Is it with kids? Well, families, they're... All the houses now that are after being given out, they're all after being given out to men. Right. No, okay. no women. Like okay. I was saying, like the house now next door to me, that man died as well. And I was saying, I'd love if a woman got his house, you know, to have another woman on the road. Now, I'm not against the 14 men that have houses here, yeah. you know? Yeah. What's the reason for men being housed there on their own? Do you know? I don't know. I questioned it with the city hall. I said, why are you giving out all the houses to men? Well, men I mean, are entitled to have somewhere to live as well. You do realise that. But I, I, I'm, just, I no, I'm just curious, why is it exclusively men? I have no issue with men getting somewhere to live, I obviously. Said, you know, I mean, I passed down the road and they could be, if it's a nice day, they could be sitting in the chair in the doorway and they'll always say, oh, good morning, good afternoon, we might have a chat. And, you know, but I, I'm just saying, 14 men, and there's four women, so that's 18, and 10 houses empty. Oh, my God. 
mad. And and well, more than in the other terrace, you're saying? Oh, definitely. All right, okay. And I'm going back. There was a knock at my door there about two weeks ago. And there was this girl and her husband, I assume he was her husband. And she apologised for knocking at the door. And I said, there's no problem, I'm all right, are you lost? She said, no, I, I was wondering, would you be able to tell us something? I said, if I can. She said, have you any idea how many houses are empty on the road? I said, ten. Girl nearly fell back off the footpath. God. She said, ten. I said, yes. And I said, there's one house in particular that's empty 15 years. And her mother is on a waiting list eight years to come down here. And they were told, told she was told there was nothing available. Well, fair play to her daughter for coming and asking questions. Come down, she's knocking at doors, she said. And well, I said, like, people wouldn't kind of open their doors around tea time or that they'd be nervous, you know? That's a shame that people are afraid to open the doors because way back in Madden's buildings, you put your hand in through the letterbox and the key was on a piece yeah, of twine. Then when I came here and, like, all the old neighbours were here then. Yeah. And, like, we'd have the front door open. And at some stage, say, like, in the afternoon when the dinner would be over, the kitchen chairs would be brought out. That's right. That's right. And we'd be sitting around. Sitting out on the flags. And I'd be sitting around outside my house with another cup. That's and we'd be right. talking across to each other and we'd have a mug of tea and we'd be chopping away for hours. It's only 10 feet across the tiniest little road. It is. Yeah, that's right. And no one knows. You would never now see anybody. All the old neighbours now, they're all dead, they're all gone, they're all in Austin home. I know, I know, but I know. I felt sorry for that girl, she said to me. Are you joking? I said, no, girl, I'm not. I said, there's a house down there. If you carry on walking down, you see it, number 38. Okay, I'll be, so, I'll be, I'll be asking questions in that regard because, um, you know, you've done the research, you have the numbers. We can, years, we I can mean, stand I, over that. I, I yeah. knew the woman, as I said, and I hugged her, and I, I said, I know you would be much happier with your daughter and your grandchildren. You're so lonely down here. You're paying the rent and everything. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I said, like... I just happened to remark and I said when I used to pass my dog I said Moira you know she's beautiful curtains and she sent your spray flowers in the window and she sent her daughter in and she came out and she said Edmund I'll give them to you she said and I hope when you look at them that you remember me yeah you're not there long enough to remember all the little shops around the area like for instance Marnan's up the road or or the uh, the Neville's across the road on the corner or when the pubs were open there, or when Manly the saddle maker was there, Manly. Like, a lot of my brothers lived in Blackpool. I knew where Bernard's was. Yeah. I knew all around Blackpool. Yeah. And coming to Madden's building, that time, you'd see, like that, now walking through, that time you'd see people outside the doors. Oh, absolutely. And the doors wide open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'd be inside the kitchen and cooking, and if someone shouted, and you'd hear... <laughs> You hear the shout back, come in, the door's open. That's right, and you'd see the women, like, say, my, well, with my grandmother, she was to wear this kind of very bright, multicoloured pinafore, all of the 
all of the mothers wore these pinafores, you know, these... Yeah, they'd have their bibs on. And it's like a bib, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be cleaning the windows, the scrubbing the window ledges and everything, and cleaning right. the brass. This fellow used to come up and down on a horse and cart or a donkey and cart, and he was he had buckets up in the back of it, and he was taking all of the food and the waste from the dinner table and everything right. for his pigs. Yeah. But I tell you now, it's a disgrace. I felt sorry for that girl. All right, well, listen, uh, let me just make some queries in that regard, because that's... Um, that's an astronomical well, amount of empty. Yeah. There was nothing available. All right. She okay. Was just when I told her, she was told by council there was nothing available. There was nothing available in Madden's buildings. All and right. that her mother is still on the list. She's still waiting to come down. And she was so furious. She okay, well, it would be impossible. It would be impossible to stand over a, f- a f- house that's been left empty for fifteen years. But let's make some calls. Years. All right. I, I, I thought when that house went, that woman. Our house is like a mansion. It was beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, so okay. she just said, well, now that I have the figure, I'm going into the corporation tomorrow. And like there would be murder in there because you're after confirming it to me. I said, I know exactly. And I, well, I know listen, if she's, if she's listening or anyone belonged to her, I'd love to chat with her to see how she got on. But Evelyn, stay in touch, all right? I want to talk to Callie here. Look after yourself in Madden's Buildings. Thanks all for taking the call. Talking all to the you. best. Stay in touch. Callie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thanks for holding. All of this started actually with Liam, who's uh, going to be 70 on the 23rd of May and homeless on the 30th of May, a 70-year-old oh, pensioner. Oh, That's where we started. Tell me about your own story. My mother, Lord Marcino, um, she's about 12 years dead now at this stage, and she had a house, a fine, well-built house up in Donnybrook, in James Connolly Place in Donnybrook. You know, real fine old houses now. And um, up to... Two months ago, anyway, there still wasn't someone there because I met an old neighbour and I asked and they still had not put anybody into that house. In 12 years? In 12 years. No, that's in Donnybrook, Neil. And the house wasn't condemned or anything or there wasn't an issue structurally? um, When she passed away, they gave me a couple of weeks to empty it. I think think at the time now they gave me two weeks to hand back the keys so obviously I went up and sure I emptied it. You know, you could, you know, you're setting an easy job to do, but you know, you it's a sad job. It's a sad job. Very sad job because she was living there 55 years, and um, they gave back the keys. So then I think what I gathered from neighbours above, it was underpinned, and they done that years ago. And then someone said to me that the council, I think, gave it over to some agency, you know, housing agency. Whether that's true now, I'm not sure. Right. But at one stage, the, the neighbours up there were tearing their hair out because there was rats coming out the windows. Literally rats coming out the windows yeah, of that house. It's, it's, it, house. Yeah, of course. I mean, they will take over that's if nobody's I, in I mean, it wasn't dirty inside because I left it as spotless as I could hand it over. No, it was... No, but they will. But they'll move in in the winter. Rats will move in. So there's no one there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was days that they would need me. And then... Um, they came in and they put in new windows and new doors another couple of years ago. And then, as I said, now I was talking to a neighbour recently and they said that there was more work done inside. But at that stage, up to two months ago, it hadn't been handed out to anybody. And you know there are people listening to this programme now who would gladly do the work themselves if they just got a roof over their heads. Never mind 12 years and the house idle. Yeah, yeah, and a fine house. And actually... um, there was a pathway made up with railings and everything, so it was like it was disability accessibility. You know what I mean? 
So it would have done someone like that. Now, I know there was a stairs. It's a two-story house. But, I mean, they, they were a fine, solid house when they were built. Okay. A fine and has it been let now? Has it been given out to some family? Well, up to a couple of months ago when I was talking to a neighbour up there, it wasn't. Okay. Whether it has been in the last month or two, but nearly 12 years. What is the excuse for that? I think I read in somewhere Diana? that it could, it could take any, with anything between a year and 18 months to turn around a house. I don't know. They, I think they well, have a... I'll find out what the figure is. It could be something like, I don't know, maybe 50 to well, 55 weeks. Time. And actually, Seamus McGrath had it on the Echo going back about five years ago, a picture of my late mother's house because it was idle at that stage about right. six years. Okay, and all right. Still wasn't and finished. still, and it's still idle? As far as I know. I, the last time right. I spoke to someone was about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. Sure, that's insane with people stage. crying out for houses and on waiting that's lists so and bidding nice. every week, bidding so every nice. week, bidding every week. It's insane. Mm-hmm. All right, Kelly, thank you for that. Thank Thanks you. for the call. Uh, I've got Fine Gael Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, who's uh, from the Cork City South Central Ward. Actually, that, that, that story from Kelly is within his ward. He wasn't due to talk about this. We'll talk about the reason he's coming on in a few seconds, but I need to address it to him. Shane, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I hope you got to hear uh, some of that. Certainly the 10 to 15 houses, say, in Madden's buildings. One house idle for 15 years and that one in Donnybrook for 12 years. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't aware of that until until now. Actually, the Donnybrook is actually it's quite close to my ward, but okay. it's in the southeast okay. ward. So the, the open homes there would be, would be dear to forward. I could talk to dear about it. Okay. Um, and but do so these they, issues they, ever come up with council? Do councillors ever ask, you know, how many properties have we closed and how is the, what is the, the turnaround time? It, it does come up. And my understanding was that, you know, certainly the average turnaround time is, is I think, 18 months to two years, if not less than that. Um, and I look, I, I think, in fairness to the city council, um, you know, Brian Geeney, who's, who's um, you know, the assistant chief executive with special responsibility for housing. I mean, I think he's been fantastic generally in, in terms of social housing and, and creating more social housing. I mean, the Cork City Council has been so proactive. I know, and I don't mean to personalise so it. And of course, the country. well, how can they I mean, pure Thomas, be proactive? Rogers, how much they be Thomas proactive? Rogers, who's in charge of uh, housing maintenance, I, anytime I've never had to him, I find it absolutely fantastic in terms of um, following up on things and getting, you know, getting things repaired, getting things done. So, I mean, I, I mean, I look, I can, I will look into that, Neil. I will look into both those issues. Um, and I'll, I'll certainly talk to, to Deirdre Ford about, about the, about the uh, house in Donnybrook. And I, and I'll, I'll, I'll look into about Madden's buildings as well. But I mean, because that, we don't. That is the first I've heard of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that, to be honest with you, Neil. Well, I'm hearing as well, Neil, why don't you take a drive through the, around the parks in Mayfield on the North Ring Road, dozens and dozens of empty houses. Is there a figure with regards to the property owned by city council that's vacant at the moment? Do we know? Um, I t- there, there is a figure I, I don't know okay. off the top of my head. I'll, I'll, I'll find out. I'd have to look into that and come back to you. But I, I mean, I, there certainly is a figure. But, but like, in my understanding is that the turnaround time in general for houses is about you know eighteen months to two years. I, I, I'm very surprised that there's that there's a house vacant for twelve years and fifteen years on the north side and ten to fifteen of them in Madden's buildings I'm very, empty. I'm very surprised. That would certainly very much be the exception rather than the rule to, to Norman. And there might okay. be underlying issues that we're not aware of. I, I don't, I honestly don't. How does it work? It's, it's private easy. contractors do the repair and the upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Could be, yeah. 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 So. And then, um, yeah, but I mean, look, there could be, I mean, underlying issues with, I just don't sewage or there could be electricity problems or, like, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, there certainly has to be a reason because, um, 
you know, it, it's very, very unusual for that to happen. I mean, okay. it, it Would it be possible Monday night to get an updated figure at Council? Can you put in a question perhaps and find out what the number is? I, I, can, I can put in a question, Neil. I mean, well, the only thing is the next Council meeting isn't until November now. Okay. Um, the second week, second Monday, November, because we just had our most recent. Okay, Monday. but I mean, we'll get on to press and see if they can give us a status to the turnaround times and the amount of vacant properties. Because undoubtedly, Absolutely. I'm going to get other texts from people who will tell me other but stories of. Yeah, but it's certainly you know I mean it's certainly the exception rather than the rule. And and, and as I say, as the exception general, ten to fifteen of the Madden's buildings is not an exception. Well, I mean, if you if you talk about the overall turnaround time, you know, there, there's. You know, uh, okay. council houses becoming vacant on a regular basis. No, I want to listen. I, I do want to be fair to all involved, including city council. So let's see. If and, we can and, and, and in fairness, I think, as I said, the, the, the officials in the housing department in City Hall, in particular, as I say, people like Brian Eady, Thomas Rogers, in my experience, are absolutely fantastic um, and so proactive. Uh, more proactive, I think, than any other local authority in the country. But we have, uh, we have a, se- a pensioner who's uh, twenty, who's seventy on the twenty third of May, and homeless on the thirtieth of May. Man born and reared in Douglas, and uh, nowhere to live in May of next year. So, um, well, I mean that, that that happens. That I mean, look, I mean, if if he wants to talk to me, and um, I mean, I, I have come across situations like that. But I mean, like a huge part of it, uh, Neil, is like as you know, uh, in terms of how long you're on the waiting list is one. And you know, you know, you know, there can be special circumstances such as medical condition. And one issue, would think that a pensioner at seventy would be a special circumstance, regardless of medical well, conditions. But possibly, but like as well, it's it's a lot of as well is in terms of bidding, and people who are bidding would be aware of this. It's the more flexible you are in terms of where you want to live or where you, live you anywhere, want to live. Live anywhere. I think we have well, well, anywhere, I think, anywhere. I mean, certainly. I mean, and if he's of the age, you know, there's places like Horgan's buildings and, and places like that. Would be ideal for. He said to go up to the top of Caron Tool. He said, "It's not my job to be finding properties for pensioners. It's your job." But if if he wants to give me a call, absolutely he can. If you want to give him my details, okay. It's a bit of good news anyway. Apparently, there's yeah. Okay, I don't know whether this will happen. I've passed him on the details. There's a one-bedroom apartment in Cloyne, the owners of which are saying that it's been let through a property company in Middleton. And they've asked him to call, and perhaps that might sort out his uh, his housing issue. Okay, I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, if he wants to talk to me as well, that's, okay. You I'll, know, somewhere close. Okay. To I'll come back I, to I, it. I'd right. encourage people to get in touch. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six if they also have other evidence of vacant properties for a long, long time. Um, on on a on a more positive and happier note, we've just had the the jazz festival. You want to, and I think city councillor behind you to create a Rory Gallagher musical festival. Is that right? That's right, Neil. And Bear I, in I, mind, they have one in Donegal already. Like they do, they do. And look, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, look. And in fairness, um, there's been one in Ballyshannon for for many years. It's a great festival by all accounts. I've never been there myself, no, Neil. But my sister has been there a few times. She said it's it's great crack. But look, I, I don't think it's a question of one or the other. And the kind of festival I'm talking about would be on a, a, an entirely different scale. At the one in Ballyshannon, and I, I'd be hoping to attract a major, you know, it would attract a major international audience. I mean, sure, uh, you know, I mean, I think you're a big fan of Rory yourself. Yes, yes, um, big time. You know, I mean, he, you know, I mean, he's he's famous all over the world. I mean, he's he's arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, not the greatest, according to Jimi Hendrix, the greatest guitarist. Well, Hendrix was asked, "What's it like to be the greatest guitarist in the world?" And he said, "I don't know. Go ask Rory yeah. Gallagher." He said, "Go ask Rory Gallagher." Exactly. So I mean, that's that's some endorsement um, coming from Jimmy. How would it, how would it work? Would it be limited to Gallagher fans or Gallagher musicians, people who do covers of his stuff? Or what, what kind of a festival would it be? 
Well, I suppose it's it's in the very very I mean uh, in the early stages. Well, like just to give you the background, I suppose um, I put down a motion um, calling for Cork City Council to look work with the local hospitality sector to establish and fund an annual Rory Gallagher Music Fest in Cork, which would assist the local hospitality sector by attracting music enthusiasts to Cork at a specific weekend every year, and would recognise Rory Gallagher's enormous contribution to Cork and to music. I mean that's that's the, that's the the wording of the motion, which was passed. I'm happy to say unanimously by the City Council on Tuesday. And then also the executive are kind of saying they're happy to work with any group or organisation who wishes to develop an arts-based festival, you know, around Rory Gallagher and that they'll engage with businesses, etc. Where would and it be? I, Where would it be? Down around well, the Huguenot Quarter well, or something? Well, no, I mean, I, I think there's two areas. Huguenot Quarter is one of them. And, and what I'd like to see is there, there'd be two hubs or two centres or, or maybe one big hub because they're quite close to each other. And... Um, in, in what I would like to see is a, a major city-wide annual music festival. But like both the, the um, you know, Paul Street and the Place area, you know, where, you know, obviously where the Opera House is there, we would have performed and, you know, that's where his sculpture is. But also, um, I think the Curtain Street area, um, because Rory would have major links to there. He lived there for a long time. He spent a huge amount of his time there. He still has family links there. Um, I suppose those, those, I would see as being the two, you know, centre points and hubs. If, but as I say, they're quite close together. So maybe yeah, he lived in a flat there. He lived in a flat by um, on Curtain Street, yeah. Street by the pub yeah. on the corner there. What's that called again? Is it Gallagher's, I think? Gallagher's? Gallagher's, And yeah. then he, yeah. he was in and out of Crowley's all the time with for guitars and equipment. That's gone now. Yeah, so I mean, he spent a, a, a huge amount of his time there and, you know, he would have, he would have gone to Northman. Yeah. Um, you know, as well. The, and he went to Doc Pays at the time, wasn't it? Was it Dark Pays? I thought he, I, I thought he went to Dark No, I mean, I, I, I think he went to more than one. I think he... His, oh, did he go to more than one? Okay. Yeah. And his mother, his mother then allowed him to come out of school because uh, he just wanted to play guitar. In fairness to her, she allowed him the opportunity to follow his dreams. His house is gone on the yeah. well road, though. That was demolished. But, um, but no, I mean, yeah. I think it's a fantastic idea. And, and is there a time of the yeah. year when you would propose it would happen? Well, I suppose, you know, I mean, the likelihood is we're going to get an extra um, you know, bank holiday pretty soon, you know, because of COVID and all that. I mean, that's not been confirmed yet, but I'd, I'd be hopeful that's the case. And I mean, it, that's likely to be probably a Monday. So, I mean, if, if there's this, so there will be an extra, hopefully, bank holiday weekend. And I mean, I think that it's ideal, you know, that'd be ideal for Cork to actually be, you know, ahead of other cities and, and, and towns in Ireland that, okay, we have a festival, new festival for that new bank holiday weekend and it's going to be the Rory, um, you know, Rory Gallagher Music Festival. That's just my own, my own personal... I know, yeah, um, I said, I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not quite effort. sure how it would work like, but how does the Donegal one work, for instance? What do they do on the weekend of the festival? Valley Shannon. What do they do? I mean, I suppose they just have, I think they have the June, June bank holiday weekend every year. They have, they have the, the music festival. But I mean, like, as I say, that's, on a much, it would be a much smaller scale to what I'd envisage in Cork. I mean, you know, the, you know, Cork is a venue, the accommodation, Cork is an international airport. I mean, I mean, there's people from all over the world, if it's marketed properly, would come to see this. I mean, you know, you know, people in Belgium, the Netherlands, I mean, he was hugely popular it, 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 all over the world and countries like that in particular. Um, so, look, I mean, I suppose I have been speaking to officials um, in the Community Culture and Placemaking um, Director in City Hall about it as well, including the Director, Adrian Rogers, who I have to say has been, is very enthusiastic about, about it as well. I was con- I've been contacted, yesterday I was contacted by representatives of the Victorian Quarter, um, who, as you know, has done incredible work over the last number of years to regenerate you know, that area and you know, create a buzz around it. And they're enthusiastic about the proposal and said they will 
work in any way they can to ensure that the music festival happens. I've also been contacted by representatives of businesses in the Huguenot Quarter, as you said, who've also offered help in any way they can. The music promoter Tom Keating has been in contact with me, and as you know, he mm. he's uh, organising a recreation of Rory's uh, 1987 concert, The Opera, which is which is on tomorrow night. So, I mean, like that's this is all just in the last day this has happened. So the, the level of enthusiasm there is absolutely okay. So it's amazing. A, it's, it's, a, it's early days. It's early days, but the yeah, demand is there. You're saying without a doubt, and the support it's is there the for city council. The demand is there, and business. I think the enthusiasm right. is there. And and as well, I, I just like to say as well, Neil, I've also been in contact. Um, with a member of, of the Gallagher family about it. And I, I personally think it's really important that there is major input. To talk to Donal? I haven't spoken to Donal yet, but I, I'm, I'm in the process of arranging a meeting or a call with Donal. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, I think that I really think there should be major input from members of the Gallagher family, particularly Donal, because I think that, you know, they should play a You know, it's only right that they play a crucial role in advising how, on how guitar, best to celebrate and commemorate Rory's. His guitar, his guitar, his guitar, no better yeah. than them, you know. His guitar is in the um, the library, isn't it? Or is it a I replica? Think so, yeah. I don't know whether it's yeah, the guitar. I think I, it is the guitar. Um, like, I, 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 I wouldn't be as hardcore a, a, a fan as you are. Well, I think his guitar is in there. I think I've seen it in there because it's. Um, it's it's got a wooden it's got a it's it's a wooden obviously the 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 boss of it if you like is wooden but it's completely um, uh, stained f- literally from his sweat which is b- literally burnt into the wood it's an astonishing guitar to look at and that oh, it would that's, make so that's amazing it's incredible um, yeah, yeah. Okay. but I mean and, and I know there's there's an enormous amount of 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 Rory Gallagher memorabilia you know obviously available or no, well, not 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 on the market or anything but the, uh, around you know, all right. Okay. You know, okay. I mean, that should we should it should be looked at in the long term. But what what happens to that in general? I mean, I certainly think that a lot of it should, you know, perhaps either remain with the family or or or, or perhaps you know belong to the city or something like that. Okay. I mean, so there's great idea. Question there. Look, I I think it is something that I've been you know just blown away by the level of enthusiasm and like if the, if the city council can, I'd be hopeful that the city council could organise a meeting maybe with representatives from the Victorian Quarter, from the Huguenot Quarter, music promoters and representatives of the Gallagher family, if we could bring everybody together and maybe just try and, you know, get the ball rolling from there. Because okay, well, let a you... A lot of organisation would have to go into this. Right, well, let you be the facilitator for that yeah. and, and stay in touch. It's early days, but we're quite optimistic that it will happen, possibly next year? Possibly next year. I'd say, yeah, next year okay. would be... Would be Going well. I mean, yeah, hopefully. Next okay. Year, hopefully, yeah, there could be repeatings of it. Okay, yeah. we'll stay in touch. Do you ever see him play? Do you ever see him live? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, sure. he, he passed away in 1995. I was quite young at You're that time. You're in short pants. Okay, well. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I would like his music. I wouldn't be hardcore fan like, All right, Shane. like yourself. But okay, I would, well, I would, I would. All right, well, if, if you had seen him and play. Cork, and Cork should be proud of him. Cork was his home. And I know he was born in Ballyshannon, but he spent most of his life in Cork. Um, and, you know, he's, as they say, he's grew up in Cork. You know, if Cork was his home, and I think that, you know, we should um, just celebrate his legacy and it would be beneficial to all, it would be beneficial to local, local, the local hospitality sector, local, you know, musicians who've gone through very tough time, you know, because of the lack of um, live events because of COVID. I mean, I think it would be just a huge positive for all concerned. Yeah, listen, and it's and even good to be talking about new festivals at this time, considering what we've been through. I've got to play some Gallagher. If you weren't in short pants and you were old enough to go and see him, say, for instance, in City Hall, you'd have heard this. Thanks, Shane. Thanks. 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 Thanks.
What's it like to be the greatest guitarist in the world? Ask Rory Gallagher, says Hendrix. What a great line that was. I think he started um, playing ukulele, myself, I think, and then moved to guitar. Self-taught, like all of the greats, self-taught. There are so many stories of uh, Rory Gallagher on Side and all over the world. May well come back to them again. Uh, but enough of me. Uh, Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. Your um, brother, go ahead, was in Rory's class in the Mon. He was, he was in Rory's class in the North Man, and uh, they all they always told the story that uh, a Christian brother, a fellow by the name of Brother Brother Lee, his nickname was Sniff. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and uh, he told Rory on numerous occasions that he'd never get anywhere in life unless he cut his hair. <laughs> That his hair would hold him back. What a stupid thing. I mean, well, that was typical, you know, you had to have the short back and sides in the man, right? Yeah, but yeah. Rory, Rory always refused and had his hair down to his, his shoulder line, like, and that's what he was told on numerous occasions. Yeah. He could never get anywhere in life. My God. I mean, imagine, you know? imagine if, you were, if you were to believe that and not follow a dream. And or, not follow your dream. Yeah. I mean, the best thing that happened to him, I suppose, was his mother alone him to leave school, like... But I mean, even listening to the song there, have you ever heard anything since? No. That would compare to it. No, because it was unique, you see. Um, and, it was, totally. And, and, many, and many did follow, but you're talking about music at a time when no one else was doing that type of music, you see. Yeah. And you're talking about music where you had the, the raw guitar and amp. Absolutely. And you, didn't, yeah. you didn't have all the pedals and all the technology and... Well, you, you know, see, it's the whole, it was like a whole fusion of blues... And rock. Lewis and rock. Mixed and, into one. Uh, oh, it was, yeah, it was. I mean, now in fit of fairness to the councillor there, I mean, it is a great idea. I did think that there was an annual Cock Rocks for Rory, but I don't think it ever got fairly big. That was some time back, wasn't it? I mean, we have the Jazz Festival, we have the Folk Festival, we have the Film Festival. You know, we have lots of others. We have the Choral Festival. You know. Summer and Choral, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think it's actually a great idea to keep an eye on whenever this new bank holiday will come, what time of the year and that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be the thing to go for, but get in there early so nobody else does something. And I'd say you'd have no problem getting sponsorship. Well, did your brother, did your brother hang out with them? Um, or was, so was Rory did, uh, a bit of a I loner? Did, uh, or where did they go? What did they do? They were very good friends. I mean, I suppose, I think Rory was up for a, for a good while. They were up around Roach's buildings. So... They'd have spent a lot of their time around Bellsfield now and the McCartan Street, St. Luke's area and over where we were from in Mount Garden. I mean, there was no Glender at the time. That was all fields. Like. So, I mean, that was our playground, really, I suppose. Did he know but, at the time that he was handy at the guitar? Was it before all of that? Um, but I suppose, well, even at the start, as you said, there you're right, he, he did start with the ukulele. And... Um, then I suppose he graduated, as you said, self-taught the guitar. And what you had, yeah, I think you originally used show bands, was it? It was show bands, yeah. It was covers the and show bands. And, and, yeah. and then he then he formed Taste, of course, and he, he got his hands on a. I think he got his hands on a Fender, didn't he? One of the Stratocasters, and I was a Telecaster. I think that was it. Played. Was it? Yeah, and funnily enough, um, the bass player with Taste, Eric Kittringham. He played with the band that I was in then for uh, a good five or six years. He passed away a few years ago as well. Oh, right. Um, I know the name. What band was that? 
There was a band called Rio, just a local cabaret band. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Eric played with us for a long time. I mean, he had some great stories of taste. Like, um, I think they used practice in some room in McCorton Street. I don't know whether it was above McCrowley's or, or what. But McCrowley's place was like a second home, like. I mean, you go into Crowley's and Rory be sitting around just trying out all the guitars. That's right, going. and there's still video available on YouTube of that and others like it. He had some lovely video of Rory Gallagher with Dick Hogan, who was the Southern correspondent of the Irish Times, inside in Crowley's, and they were chatting about guitars and plectrums and, you know, all sorts yeah. of stuff. It was just lovely. Yes, I, know, I know fairly often Sheena, Mick's daughter, would put up a few things on Facebook about the, those days and that. You know. I mean, Crowley is also more of a community centre than it was um, oh, yeah. Oh, a yeah. music shop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go into Crowley's for a plectrum and five hours later, you're coming back out after <laughs> being playing the guitars, yeah, chatting I, to Paul Bourne and Noel Corden. Um, I remember it well because I, I bought my first disco rig in there downstairs underground yeah, right, uh, yeah they had all the, the lighting and disco stuff downstairs and yeah and, 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 and he 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 died at 47 I mean it was just the saddest yeah. tragic that's end right. you know? I think that's well the delivery I think Liver in the end figure, got him. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, know, was, but, but I suppose Neil that was the life in the day really I suppose yeah he had you a know? fear of flying and um he, he was on. He, he did. Uh, I was reading the the Wikipedia on it again recently. The fear of flying, and um, he uh, was getting prescribed various drugs to overcome this because he had to fly. You see, to get to different parts Obviously, of the world yeah. for gigs and whatever. So there was that, and unfortunately, and unfortunately, the drink and it just shot his liver to pieces eventually. It did. Uh, that's right. But I mean, if if that festival takes off, I'd say half of Germany will be over here for the weekend because like, he was absolutely huge in Germany and. His last, last gig was um, in the Netherlands, and uh, Netherlands, you yeah. can actually see that online. Um, I think it was I watched it there a couple of years. But I was talking to his, his brother about it. You could you could tell that he was unwell because he's very bloated. Uh, but yeah. God Almighty, he was still playing magic guitar though. Oh, an, an absolute genius! We'll never see his legs again, or probably as Hendrix was probably right. Good man yourself. Lovely chat with you, Frank. Stay in you touch. Too. Take care, Nate. Mind yourself. Back after 11. Thank you. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. House prices going mad. We discussed that, of course. It's true about house prices. I looked on Daft this morning at new homes in Cork, and they are all priced out of reach to any first-time buyer. Most actually are not even priced, but looking at at least 350 grand plus for most of them. Some of them don't even have prices on them. Uh, wondering why there are a shortage of um, second-hand cars these days. Um, this is because that the main factory in Germany responsible for producing car parts has been closed for a lot of COVID. So there's actually a shortage of new cars, which in turn puts second-hand cars in shortage too. There you get your higher prices then for second-hand cars, obviously up 16% on last year. Uh, thank you for that. And I also think there are chip problems with chips, aren't there? Chips, the actual computer chips for cars, particularly electric cars. And then one or two more. James Bond doesn't have to worry about the car he drives, of course, but somebody said to me, I was away on holidays a few weeks ago and I met a man whose real name was James Bond. His real name. He showed me his ID. Uh, he was an English chap. I wonder if there are many people out there with famous names. Just one or two more. On bouncers, 
and we discussed this yesterday with all of the nightclubs we had in Leaside up until the uh, back end of the 80s. Can I add something positive about bouncers? Our dad fell Sunday night outside the River Lane Bar on Blarney Street and the bouncer on the door, Joe, was amazing. He stayed with us and helped us. He minded my dad until the ambulance came. Thank you, Joe, for being a good man. You're decent. That is, that is fine, thank God. And that's from the O'Leary family. And then, uh, with regards to ticketing the nightclubs, what's your take on this ticket for the nightclub nonsense? It's about health or is it about control? How does it, how does this help in any way to stop the increase of COVID, COVID hospitalizations or death, uh, says Terry. And you should be asking your publicans and late night bar owners why they can't update their websites. Why are you not asking how in God's name this is considered a public health measure? Uh, come on, ask the hard question. I did ask that question. I asked Sean, who has Soho and the East Village and Paddy the Farmers. Why not just update your website to incorporate a ticket booking system? So I did ask that. I don't know why you didn't hear it. Um, Another one then. There's a man, 58, claiming his mother and father's pension for over 30 years. Yes, there is. And uh, that's back before the court soon now for sentencing. Uh, Michael says, this is an absolute disgrace, considering this is the reason I pay my taxes. There's that and lots more besides. Texts and calls after 11. Thanks. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, so you know the um, latest changes for nightclubs are late bars with dance floors where it's ticketed and you have to book the ticket an hour beforehand. Um, um, it's having its effect on Leaside with uh, particularly uh, establishments who just can't do that. I see voodoo rooms have, have posted this morning. The good news is, they say, we'll be open tonight and all weekend long. But the bad news is we'll be operating as a late bar rather than a nightclub. And they say, so what does that mean? Well, it means no dance floor and no dancing from tonight, basically. You can shuffle your booty all you want in your seats, but no dance floor. They say it's not an ideal situation, but the government's new ticketing laws for venues that allows dancing has come into force so quick We haven't had enough time to get a compliance system up and running for the weekend. Hopefully we'll get it sorted for the following weekend, but they can't do it for this weekend. So what they're saying is it's entry on a walk-in basis. Just rock up to the door. If we have a table available, then we'll get you seated. No tickets needed for the moment. And that's some voodoo. Unless the ticketing situation is sorted, we're unable to take any further bookings, they're saying. So uh, late bar, but no dancing and no um, dance floor. So that's how it's impacting on Leaside. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. If your stories of vacant properties, do share them. Text 0868104106. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, you're down Castle Martyrway, is it? That's right, yes. Um, I was just listening to the story of that gentleman there this morning. Um, and it's absolutely, not only immoral, but absolutely disgusting to think that a gentleman of that age finds himself in that situation. Liam's a pensioner. He is um, going to be homeless if, a week after his 70th birthday. Yeah. 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 Um, now, I don't know if, well, I'm sure everybody is probably familiar with Castle Martyr, the main street in Castle Martyr during the summer season. I'm familiar with the traffic through <laughs> it anyway. Yes, we're, we're, we're getting it from all sides down east. Um, yeah, we are literally being strangled with derelict and vacant properties on the main street of Castle Martyr. Um, 
it's not as though the residents aren't attempting to engage with the property owners or the Cork County Council. Um, nothing happens. Nothing is happening. We have over 2,000 people living in this area. We have absolutely no community facilities. There is no community hall. Yet we're looking at buildings falling down, rat infested, broken windows, slates falling off roofs. And we have the response from the Cork County Council that they don't see these sites fitting the criteria for derelict or vacant. Now, I don't know what criteria the local authorities are looking at, but it's certainly a very different criteria. Yeah, I've seen their response to you. I have a copy of it here. They say they don't consider the sites to be derelict sites. Are they referring to one specific site or the whole street? Well, that email in particular refers to one site. Okay, and um, they say that they don't... They don't also they don't keep um, ownership details of who owns what site where, and they said that you really should be talking to a solicitor. Yes, so that a local community group with no financial um, aid or input should go away and employ the services of a legal practitioner. And just give us a flavour as to what businesses would have been there um, in those kind of buildings that are now derelict. Um, well, that site in particular that we're talking about, that site is just located at the main crossroads there in Castle Martyr, across from the wonderful and award-winning Hunted Hog Bar. That's right. So yeah. when that business is trying to, you know, keep keep the tills ticking over and they have customers coming in, customers may be sitting out, well, everyone is sitting out now, looking across at a site that is overgrown, that is rat-infested, that is littered, but the other, okay. yeah. the other ones then up along the, the, the main street, yep, would they have the been street. shops? Would they have been offices? Would they have been, you know, like yeah, so we have one, drapery stores we, or what? One big building on the main street would have previously have been a petrol station. Yeah. Um, the Cork County Council fire officer is, is yet to confirm whether the pumps on the main street have been decommissioned. Now, the, the petrol station hasn't been in use since 2009, yet we're still sitting on petrol pumps that are yet to be decommissioned. Yeah, I actually drove through there recently and I wondered about those petrol pumps. But it would have been, yeah. a, vi- it would have been a vibrant village in its day. Are you saying that retail's been sucked out of Castle Martyr, is it? Yes, 100%. As you alluded to earlier, the traffic is <laughs> no is nobody's business. Residents are literally prisoners in their own homes half of the time trying to get in or out of the place. Um, anybody passing through, there is absolutely nowhere to park. Yeah. So, you know, businesses... Businesses aren't getting the benefit from the huge volumes. Of and were there pubs there that closed down? And were there restaurants that closed and cafes and things? Yes, in the main street, we would have had one cafe that closed and a local village in Mogili, just about a mile out. Beautiful village. Um, yeah. all, all those bars are closed, uh, bar one, the Mogili Tavern that's there. Go away. Just so, not because of COVID, it's just that the clientele just oh, drifted yes. away. So, yeah. yeah. And like as residents were struggling, like we've set up an individual group ourselves about two years ago um, called the Families of Castle Martyr, Mogili and Ladies Bridge to try and get some action. You know, it's not as though we're sitting on our haunches complaining. We're happy to, to engage. We're happy to get involved when nobody is listening. So it's, t- it's an example of, of, you know, commerce being sucked out of local villages, isn't it? Because yep. It's, yeah. not, it's not a small little crossroads. It's a, it's a no, fair size main street. Busiest, it's the busiest, it's the busiest um, road in Ireland. Like even to the front of our national school, we have an old rundown, again, rat infested property. Um, like it's, it's health and safety. It's in front of a national school in Castle Martyr. But isn't it amazing then? Children. Yeah, but isn't it amazing then that Killer seems to be quite vibrant? Kind of similar main street, maybe it's similar kind of design even, and it seems to be flying, and that has traffic going right through the middle of it as well. 
That's correct. And as I said, Neil, our group in particular, we have we can furnish communications back to 2018, pleading with the Cork County Council, with the Diocese of Cloyne, who are refusing to engage with us as well in relation to community facilities. In Castle Martyr, Castle Martyr residents have actually paid for four community halls over the past 70 years, all under the auspices of the 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 Diocese of Cloyne and again I can forward all this um, information to you the Diocese of Cloyne are even turning their back What would you use the so, community hall for? For Just as a community hub as a facility you know we have children here that have absolutely nothing to do fine if you're GA orientated or you're involved with, with the GA sport that's fine but other than that there is absolutely nothing for a child to do and then people wonder why children head down the wrong road there's a very short period of time where children can head down the wrong road. Yeah, absolutely. And unless you're GA orientated here, there is nothing can for not children or teenagers. School? Can you not use the school No, facility? we're not allowed to use the school. Right. Again, that is an issue. That is something that the Diocese of Cloyne and the Bishop of the Diocese of Cloyne, who, who we regular, regularly communicate and engage with, and the local parish priest, um, are refusing access to the community hall, which the community financially contributed to, unless... You have a public liability indemnity insurance policy in excess of 6.5 million. <laughs> they won't let you use the school for That's the correct. kids um, for activity or hobbies or hanging out yes. or... Unless yes, you take out an insurance policy for six and a half million bucks. Yeah, that's since, since 2019. And as I said, I have all of the relevant... Um, Files and like their their insurance because they have kids in there during the day and everything. Their insurance doesn't cover it. That's correct. And again, keeping in mind, Neil, that the community of Castle Martyr has paid for four halls. They have contributed financially towards four halls for the diocese of Cline for over what, the past seventy what years. What halls all over the place? Community halls all so over. So we had as said, the any. snooker hall to the front of the of the school. That was that was a parish hall or a snooker club, um, and there was an implied tenancy there. But the diocese of Cline decided this year that they were going to hand that. Um, hall to the school. Now we attempted to engage with the school to see if we could develop a joint community facility um, you know that the school could use Monday to Friday 9 to 5 and that the community could use afterwards. So it's not as though we were looking for money, you know the residents were, were happy and eager to go and you know fundraise or, or, or get But you're not telling me that money. the church took the hall? Yes the church have, have returned the hall well the church, the church, the hall was always under the ownership of the church which it was in those days but the hall was paid for by the community and used by the community. Um, but because there was no written lease, the diocese have said that no lease exists. Now, we did argue an implied right. lease, but again, you know, you're heading into to legal into the legal world where, you know, a community group, we don't have that kind of money to finance that. And we shouldn't have to finance. You have the, will, so you have the, the willpower, the though, that's for sure. You have the energy and the willpower to get something to change. What about the businesses then on the main street? Those businesses, those buildings are privately owned. That's correct. Yes, some of them are privately owned. Um, again, Why don't the they want to do anything with them? It's, it's as I said, I don't want to be going into any situation where but I'm just not naming any yeah, names. I know, I know. Um, yeah. But as I said, there would be one... Um, owner of many of the buildings and what's happening is the buildings then are being put into a trust or a company so they, they stay in situ and as I said we've attempted to to engage with the owners of the buildings you know asking them would they be interested in, in entering into a lease or a tenancy agreement rather than sitting sitting there leaving them rot and the answer is no. I know no, it's no. such a beautiful area it's such a beautiful yeah. area listen th thanks for sharing the story I, I hope things improve for you you know
well, if there's any local politicians or local councillors out there um, that would come on board with us, you know, we're very eager. There was a large fundraising uh, done between the years 2003 to 2007 in the area. Um, there's an excess of 120,000 sitting um, in a community group that can go towards the building of a hall. And that hall, the money was fundraised for a hall to be built in Castle Martyr, and we still wait. All right. Okay. Okay. May have to go down the legal avenue, I think, at some stage, you know. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, if there's any legal practitioner out there that would, that would be interested in taking a pro bono case. <laughs> All right, Eileen. Let's speaking. see. Let's see if I get responses to it. Thank you so much for taking Thanks, the call. Neil. Cheers, Eileen. Down Castle Martyr Way. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. A lengthy text there um, with regards to uh, Castle Martyr, fella saying that you're only here hearing half of the story. For God's sake, Castle Martyr is buzzing. There's a great centre of fabulous butchers and amazing greengrocers, not to mention the pub and things like that. So I may well come back to that and lots more besides. Mind you, you can't stop there. Like, even if you wanted to stop in Castle Martyr, forget about it. There's nowhere to stop. It's just used as a thoroughfare heading east. You know, yesterday morning I was talking about the amount of people now who like to have a non-alcoholic drink, and I was talking about the various ones that you see. You see an awful lot of people now happily um, swigging back um, uh, bottles of um, alcohol-free Heineken, for instance. I was talking about uh, tasting the uh, alcohol-free Guinness Stout um, last weekend. And I have to say, it was just lovely. It was gorgeous. And I was saying if there was a taste, taste test between a regular pint of Guinness and the 0.0 alcohol-free Guinness Stout, you'd be hard-pushed to see find a difference. I mean, it just tasted fantastic. It might be different after a few. You might get fed up with them. But anyway, Sharon says, I'm a female and I love Guinness. For those of us who love Guinness, we know the difference between the normal pint and the zero option. Uh, incidentally, the Heineken's Edge, sorry, the Heineken's Island's Edge Stout can be bought and off-licenses here in Cork. Not sure about the pubs, but please do not compare to the regular pint of Guinness. There is no comparison. Well, you're probably a, more of a, an aficionado of stout than, than I am because I thought it, if you somebody had handed it to me, I would have thought, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pint of Guinness. But I am told, you know, that that's all very well, cans of, um, you know, alcohol-free stout, but what you want is the draft. And apparently somebody said that the uh, Island's Edge stout by Heineken is on tap in Cork pubs, and somebody says here that they have it on tap in Barry's in Douglas. And then Frank says, I saw Bulmer, Bulmer's Zero yesterday. Uh, in, in, in my day, we used to call that Sidona. <laughs> there is such a thing as Bulmer's Zero. I guess if there's no alcohol in the Bulmer's, then it is Sidona. And another one, I think non-alcoholic drinks are rank. I drank a non-alcoholic wine once. Never again. I don't see the point of them, says Emma. Yes, I did the same, actually. I had a non-alcoholic bottle of red wine once, and it was awful. It was awful. There was, a, there was a bottle of it up on the table, and it remained there. Just awful. Some things just cannot be de-alcoholed. But just with that in mind, and I see more and more people going for the alcohol-free version, I was telling you about a story yesterday, and this was a story out of Tralee. It was actually in the Kerryman, where pubs down in the area wanted to get in, say, for instance, the Heineken Zero, or they wanted to get in the Guinness Stout alcohol-free. And they were told, yeah, but there's such a demand for it, I'm afraid, We'll put you on a waiting list and it could be potentially February before you get it into your pub kind of thing. So it shows the demand that's there. And staying in Tralee, although I think she went to UCC, Lisa Kern has put together an idea now um, that involves setting up a club where they literally have 
zero alcohol in the club. And if it takes off, they probably will do more of them. She joins me by phone. Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Great. What's, what's the plan? It's in a bar called Cree and you're calling it the Cocktail Heist and it's alcohol-free. For those that just want a choice, is it? It is. Um, so the venue is Cocktail Heist in Cree and we're called the Virtue Club. So what we want to do is just come together and go into different venues and show them how much interest there is in non-alcoholic evenings, non-alcoholic events, non-alcoholic nights. And honestly, the response has been completely overwhelming. And why is there such demand then in, um, you know, non-alcoholic nights? Well, when we were researching the idea, because, you know, you want to know you're not going to fall in deaf ears, we discovered that actually pre-COVID, 25% of the population don't drink. So really the everybody drinking in Ireland thing is a slight stereotype. Um, and that has definitely gone up over COVID. 25% of the people who don't drink are of drinking age though, are they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, they're actually over 21. So they're really like the adults of the situation. And I wonder so, how many of that 25% are 18 to 30 somethings. Would it be higher or low, do you think? Do you know what? I think thanks to social media, and I know social media can be very dangerous and very negative sometimes, but thanks to social media, I think a lot of the younger generation are more um, more in tune with their image and more in tune with their health and more in tune with how they present themselves because, well, it's documented. And They're more inclined they are, at half past five to hit the gym as opposed to hitting the pub, is it? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that wasn't there in our day. I'm, I'm 33. I spent what I would call my adventurous years in Cork. I was in the Cork School of Music, so I was surrounded by that. That's where we had our our opportunities was in pubs, in venues like that. We were surrounded by people that were drinking. Um, so this is also a fantastic opportunity for people that are in the arts to have a more attentive audience as well. So artists have crawled out of the woodwork saying we would love the opportunity to team up with you, to really, really have that kind of in-depth, just audience, really. Yeah, because you talk about that age group that you're pitching to. Um, A couple of drinks was always a great loosener-upper, wasn't it? Particularly if you wanted Uh to meet the opposite sex and have a chat and a bit of band and a bit of crack and a bit of flirting. And a few Uh drinks always helped that. Um, you're, You're suggesting that's not needed? It's not needed. All you need is a good atmosphere. So, for example, tomorrow night now is we're going into a venue that is a tapas bar. It is a sharing platters bar. They're renowned for the experiences they put on inside in their venue, they have absolutely bonkers, bonkers nights inside there. Um, so and everyone's sober. No, no, no. But this is their first sober night, so yeah. it's actually renamed Mockdale Heights tomorrow night. <laughs> um, so, which is fantastic for a business to do. So we're going into venues and we're taking what they already have to show them that non-alcoholic nights are can be suited to their to their venues and. The response is phenomenal. We're booked out. We have a waiting list of over 30 people. Um, we have people mailing us to be get pre-booking opportunities for the next event. We have venues reaching out to us. We have drink companies reaching out to us. Like I said already, artists and creatives reaching out to us. And the aim for tomorrow night is we have a, a real mixed bag of entertainment. So we have a magician that's going to loosen everybody up, get them all relaxed. We're, we have a comedian, again, 
same vibe. And then by the time the music comes on, everyone's really kind of chilled, relaxed, in a happy mood. And you don't need the alcohol. And what are you serving? We are serving Heineken Zero, Carlsberg Zero, Cronin Zero. Um, we have Copperberg Zero. We have 0% wine, 0%... Um, avoid that avoid that it's awful no it's actually it depends on the brand it's you awful alcohol free red wine is just awful <laughs> do you know what I've tried a few and they're not nice but <laughs> there are lovely brands out there it's just it's like a, it's like alcoholic drinks some people like Heineken some people don't yeah exactly somebody was saying it's that like alcohol free cider is Sidona do you have Sidona done that way or is it a cork thing uh, we used to, it's not a big thing down here, but our big cider down here is Cronin's because Cronin's are a Kerry brewing company. Right. And it, the zero zero does not taste like Cidona. It has a <laughs> lovely twist to it. It really does. I always but find I, with I, the non-alcoholic beers, it's fine for one I or two of them. I the Bulmer Zero and I, I do agree. The Bulmer Zero does remind you of, you know... Sidona when you used to be brought to the pub with your parents when you were a, a child <laughs> yeah. when you were a child what about the yeah. have you had the non-draft then the Heineken Zero on draft did you manage to get your hands on the Heine, on the on the Guinness Stout Zero now there are one or two venues in Chile that have managed to get the, the Guinness Zero Zero on draft but we do not have them on draft yet we are all on the way but we are hopefully going to get Sponsorship to have—they um, actually have the the ones that you can carry around to different venues. Oh you know, like yeah, they're little portable ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. if venues can't get them in, hopefully we'll be able to bring it in for them. And do you think something like that would catch on in Cork City? Years ago, we had a thing called the No Name Club. Do you recall that? Mm-hmm. There were, there I were, remember that. Yeah, yeah, gigs and discos for people, but no drink. They were drinking age, exactly. but they just didn't want to drink. I think that fizzle yeah. out, or is that still going on? Um, it's kind of gone a bit quiet, um, but they're they ha- they were very very successful, and it was a great initiative. Um, and of course, now that the the Virgin Mary Bar in Dublin is a non-alcoholic venue, it's a fantastic opportunity for people in cities. Um, we've we've actually been reached out to by a lot of venues in Cork, Galway, Limerick, one or two in Dublin as well, because they don't want to go as a fully non-alcoholic venue. They'd be very interested in having the Virtue Club in to do a takeover and just see how it goes. I think and it would be fantastic and I'd love to I'd love to see that happen and see how it goes because young people are, I mean, they get a lot of flack, but they are hitting the gym. They do have gym membership. They are trying to eat healthier. Um, and, and you're not saying, I mean, you're not saying that you're giving up booze or anything. You're just having that choice. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, um, I will drink when I feel like it. Yeah. But that's very few and far between. I mean, that might be one or two, two times a year. But then to be able to go somewhere, um, from my own personal perspective, it's my mental health. And I'm not afraid to speak about my mental health. I've suffered from anxiety. I'm actually autistic myself. So that's where the outside-the-box thinking comes, mm. comes from. And for me to look after my mental health, like to drink is just, it's, it's just detrimental to that. It doesn't it's, suit you. It with meds. Mixing it with meds, mixing it with you know social anxiety—it just doesn't work. Mm. You want to feel in control and enjoy the night. I actually, and I had some amazing stories from people encouraging the the venture, and it was actually Gerald Sullivan, who I know most of Cork know. He was 
karaoke king, um, DJ extraordinaire. He ran so many events around Cork and the whole country. And when he got on board with the initiative, he really gave it another aspect to it. And, you know, he's of a different generation mm. to, to myself. Um, he has a lot of experience. So, you know, to get that multi, multi-generational kind of drive towards it is fantastic because that age... I've had messages from, from people saying they had been in marriages with people who were alcoholics. They want to move on with their life and meet someone, but they're very, very conscious of going into a pub setting. Why? So we'll hope, just in case, they, they don't want to fall into the same trap. They don't want to be with somebody that, that drinks. Mm. And that's their own personal choice, mm. from their own personal experiences. And to have a place for them to, to meet somebody that is on the same wavelength. What would an alcohol-free pub work in Cork? You know, where there was, okay, it was all of the zero zeros and all that kind of thing, and they had a non-alcoholic cocktail list kind of thing. It would be fantastic. Would and it work, I do you think? think? Uh, do you know what? We've been, in, we've been in talks with the students' union here in MTU, and you know yourself, MTU is um, the IT Tralee and the CIT now joined together. Um, there's a huge, huge demographic of students that don't drink. Yeah, and they others that probably drink under pressure, you know? Drink under pressure. And um, they actually held a night a few weeks ago as part of their students' rag week and induction week, and it was phenomenal. Well done. Good luck with it tonight. If you plan anything for Lisa, you know, do I know you seem to be well, in look, talks with people, so do come back to me. And if anyone is interested in getting involved, like we just aim to run in venues nationally, running nights and takeover nights in conjunction with that venue and what they have on offer. And, and if they're listening and want to, how can they get in touch? Well, we're on social media at the Virtue Club on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We've 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 taken them over. All right, girl. Good luck tonight at Thank the Virtue so Club. Have a great you. night, and we'll chat again. Take care for now. Definitely. Bye, Thank Lisa. You. Cheers. All Bye. the best. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Talking about Instagram, uh, my own Instagram page, I was sent a lovely link. I was talking about uh, a 1964 Massey Ferguson tractor baiting away down the roads of Kerry and pulling a big, huge trailer load of of, of um, turf behind it and I was saying wow 1964 I wonder what's Cork's oldest tractor well I got a photograph of a 1969 Ford 4000 uh, from Lumberzacks Firewood in Rochestown it's a beauty and it's working away a 69 Ford 4000 works every day cutting firewood in Rochestown and I suppose well looked after a lot of TLC looks like it's in perfect nick in fairness so that's a 69 Ford uh, that's far years that's many five years away from a 1964 Massey Ferguson that I spotted so keep those coming if you want to send me photographs you can do and you can also follow me on Instagram um, just um, just staying actually with a text from earlier on they said to do with um, um, the O'Leary family who's they said our dad fell on Sunday night outside the River Lane bar on Blarney Street um, we were talking about bouncers on Side yesterday um, and, you know, you can't tar all with the same brush because the bouncer at the door of the River Lane, fella called Joe, came out and helped the fallen dad um, and looked after him until the ambulance came. That prompted a call from Finn. Finn, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm good, my man. Do you know Joe the bouncer or the doorman from the River Lane? Yeah, I do. He works with us at the moment and uh, we're surprised that he actually helps somebody because he doesn't help anybody up at work. He just looks after himself. So I'm very shocked that he actually went to the assistance of somebody else. No, on a serious note, um, yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. 
because Joe's one of the most unassuming guys that we have and he just nothing is too big a deal for him he's actually listening at the minute but he's he's out with his daughter doing some deli- delivering chocolates at the moment and um, he's like we're not surprised he's, he's a fantastic fantastic guy and he mentioned to me on Monday night he's, I met him on the night and he told me about it and I was like brilliant well done that was it. He just said, oh, a guy in ambulance, yeah, he had a stint put in his heart and we had to get a defib and stuff and it was just like as if he was tying a shoelace. But it doesn't surprise me about the guy because that's the kind of guy he is. Did he have to get the defib or did the ambulance bring it or what? I think he he was doing CPR and then the ambulance yeah, no came way. with the defib as far as I know. But he, knowing Joe, he probably didn't even, his, his blood pressure probably didn't even rise because he's really a relaxed guy and nothing. So, he did, him, so. he did CPR while waiting for the ambulance, Joe? As far as I know, yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah, he's, you know, um, and just Could as saved armor, his life, he, he he actually did, but he he won't admit that he won't. I know that, but he loves pizzas on a Friday night because um, he has to stay in. Bless him. Um, so, like, if you could sort out a pizza for me, we'd be delighted. I sent himself his little daughter, Sophie. It was her birthday. That's well, easily done. Week. Tomorrow, tomorrow's pizza day, so I put him down for a large one. No problem there. Oh, and he, oh my God, you want to put down two large ones because he's not the smallest of guys in the world now. <laughs> And he does actually look like the scary bouncer, but I think um, if you just came up and spoke to him, he's a really, really nice guy, but he just... I he's just a big, soft time. teddy bear. What, what does he do when he's not bouncing? Is he a courier driver or something? He is, yeah, but he also sits outside Mad. Did you ever see the green genie that's up on the wall there outside Mad in the North Main Street? <laughs> we do. think that's Joe's twin. We're not sure yet. <laughs> all We're right, doing well. DNA test. But yeah, honestly, we've all said it at work that if there was any, any one of us, he would be the one that would do that. But again, I'm surprised that he helped. Your man must have fallen right next to him because Joe wouldn't move to help anybody else. You <laughs> <laughs> won't be sharing any pizza with you tomorrow anyway, FM. Definitely not. And if I fall over, he's just going to walk over and leave me there. All right, stay on the Stay on the line and we'll get a pizza to organise from tomorrow. Well done, Joe. I know you don't want to come on the air. You're probably shy and that's not a big deal. That's fine. But well done for all concerned, particularly if the, you know, if you, you know, you, clearly you performed CPR on this man and it made all the difference until the ambulance came along. So well done on that. Text 0868104106. Text 0868104106. Yesterday, we were talking about Operation Transformation. Uh, a lot of texts and emails still on that, which I'll get to hopefully when I get one or two in this morning. But my God, I have two photographs in front of me here this morning, I can tell you, and they are just not the same man. They are not the same man. PJ, good morning. Good morning, Neil. There is no way that that version of you on the left is the same person as the version of you on the right. Yeah, that was me. That would have been me about, how long ago now? About six years ago now, that would have been me. And the one on the right would be me about a year and a half later. Um, How how do I describe this photograph on radio? Firstly... Who took it? Did you know it was been taken? Are you at a bar counter? I did. Or what? The first one, the first one was taken at a wedding down in Kilkenny. Wedding was in Booty Vogans down in Kilkenny, and the second one, then I got that taken myself um, because I actually appeared in the um, Daily Mirror. The Daily Mirror done a, a, a bit uh, on me. I done an interview with with Midlands. 103. Is it any wonder they did it? I, you know that photograph of the wedding, you have the tie open and you're literally plunked. You're beached upon oh, a stool. Beached. Not <laughs> beached is the word for you it. Must have, you must have had a, a heart the size of a Gaelic football. Yeah. But yeah, what weight were you? What, what weight were you? It was 25 stone. My God almighty. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't know what that is in kilograms or whatever, but it, I know there's 14 pound in a, there's 14 pound in did, a stone. Did you struggle and to get around to breathe? Oh, sure, you'd 
struggle to sleep, you'd struggle to walk, you'd struggle to, you know, you'd struggle with your own, your own sanity at times. Yeah, and your own. When, when you're that size. And it was just bad decisions in life that, that, that put me in, in, in that position. In what, like, was it food? Was it drink? Was it not exercise? It was, um, all, it all was food. It was more food than anything else. Vast quantities of the worst stuff, I suppose. The worst stuff, yeah. Yeah, probably not vast quantities, but big quantities of just the wrong processed foods and stuff like that. God, I mean, you said 25 stone. I mean, you look, you look heavier. Don't, I'm not being disrespectful yeah. to you, but you look... No, I can hold my head up and I can... Uh, I, I'm... I have no problem talking about it. So wonder you didn't have a bang. You look more like 30 stone to me, but I'm not, as I say, I don't mean to be disrespectful to you, but you're lucky you didn't have a heart attack or a stroke. Well, you know, something it's, it's, thank God, would you believe I came out of that? I didn't even get cholesterol out of it. And what are you weighing in at now? Well, I'm weighing in now, I, I can mention the, the group I joined tonight. Losing you there, PJ, you're still there. Yeah, yeah. Um, a slimming okay. world, wasn't it? A slimming world, that's correct, yeah. Okay. yeah I wasn't you sure have, you, you have your body weight? Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I have the body weight. But when I got in with slimming world, um, it was just a different way of thinking about what I was eating. So when you I see shows like Operation Transformation that go on for a, a few weeks or a month or six weeks or something... That solves nothing. It's it's a much longer no, journey. It, it, it doesn't solve nothing. During the lockdown now, the Slimmer World class is finished. Obviously, during the during the lockdown, and um, I gained about, I suppose, about three stone. Did you uh, over the year and a half? Yeah, because I spoke to you before. I, I was born in a mother and baby home. Yes, I never I knew my dad. Yeah. So, but I do know that my mother's side of the family is prone to carrying weight. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say if there's a gene in there, like I said, I don't know about my dad's side, but I don't know my mother's side of the family did did carry weight. So it's probably a kickback from there. But um, look, I'm back into the swing again. I heard you speaking to a gentleman there about homelessness. I was looking down the barrel of that. It's not good myself couple of weeks back thank God are you alright now did you get somewhere new did you get somewhere sorted oh we did yeah we got sorted out thank God we got sorted out landlord's got a bit nasty afterwards but as far as the positive stuff goes but look it's sorted now and that's that's the main thing but comfort eating you know just the whole world was it like biscuits chocolates takeaways chips chipper all all that kind of pizza not even takeaways scones Bread. Sandwiches. Yeah. Bread. Vast bread quantities of bread. You wouldn't believe bread is a killer. You want, I tell you one thing. For somebody who eats an awful lot of bread, right, and they have, they're have they carrying weight, if they gave up bread, it's not an easy thing to do. The weight would fall yeah. off. You see, I think a lot of it need is, um, when we were growing up, there was 10, and there was 11 of us in my nan's family. And bread, she used to buy the big sacks of flour, the big four stone sacks of flour, five, four stone and five stone sacks of flowers, uh, flour and she was to bake a lot and there was several nights you'd be going to bed and you know your 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 supper would be 
a half of a homemade loaf. Oh yeah, but it was better bread. Time. It was better bread, and it didn't have preservatives oh. in it to keep it longer. I mean, the proper bread that you should be eating is stuff that you can't eat the next day. You know, stuff that goes rock yes. hard. And and also, you were burning off vast amounts of quality of calories as a kid. As you get older, oh, yeah, like, of course. Yeah, I mean, bread is glued kid, to the body, like it really and truly is. Being being a kid um, in in the seventies and through the seventies and the early eighties, like in, in the rural area where I was born, you know, you had a four mile walk to school every every day and back. So Lighty stuff. Used, what do you make of What do you make of Operation Transformation? Then you think that it's just about ratings and lining the pockets. Uh, it, it, it's about ratings and it's about it's reality TV. It, it, I can't see it work. There was a, I'm, I live in Yall, as you know, but there was a lady down here from Yall on it last time, a lovely lady. I met her two or three times there. She worked in the garage just down the road from us there. And um, I haven't seen her since because she doesn't work in the garage. And I often wondered uh, how, what how happened she got next? on. What happened next? All right. Listen, fantastic. I'm delighted to catch up with you. I wish I had more time, but it's great to hear you managed to lose it. Keep it off now because your body will thank you oh, for I it. Will. Well done, I, PJ. I will. I'll be, be, back on tap. I'll be back on track now very soon. And if you're ever down around... Around y'all, you have me number, give the ring, we'll meet up and go for a, I will be. a coffee. I will be, I will be. Take care, PJ. Cheers for now, PJ McNamara. I've got to love you and leave you guys, but before I do, um, uh, we got a couple of texts in this morning, early this morning, because Stephen the Wazi Hogan is being buried today, and his funeral is at 2 o'clock today in Farron Reed Church. Like one text says, I'm texting for a request for the Wazi. He was a great man for the music, loved being on stage, big part of the Cork Musical Society, and absolutely loved The Greatest Showman. I'm wondering if you could play This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. He was obsessed with the movie, sang it whenever he could. It would be great to play it as a tribute to him. Well, how could I refuse? I am not a stranger to the dark Hide away, they say Cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be Wonderful stuff Keela Settle and oh what a great movie that is if you haven't seen it you need to watch it it's unreal Hugh Jackman and uh, the Wazi is buried today at 2 o'clock at Farnery Church and no doubt he's uh, amongst the energy or in heaven and telling a story of the Wazi on Quicksilver and I want to thank him for the memories and the laughs a good guy gone back after the break this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, talking about the vaccine, I've seen the um, video footage of uh, queues, car queues, and you know, actual traffic jams totally backed up. Well, it's not a traffic jam, but it's a queue of cars trying to get into the likes of the Blackpool uh, COVID uh, test centre. And I'm told that the numbers of positive cases coming out of there is alarming. And all of this with what? 95% of the population vaccinated? I just don't get it. Uh, on Rory Gallagher, Jesus, it's about time the city had a Rory Gallagher festival. He's nearly forgotten in Cork. Gallagher is buried in St. Oliver's Graveyard, Neil. I'm sure you saw it. I've seen it many times. It's a rock headstone. Bottle of beer and more. It's a beautiful headstone. I think there's a guitar actually um, sculpted into it as well. My, my nan used to tell me that she babysat Rory Gallagher in the city and later when she moved to Crosser. She used to see him play in the Grand Hotel. I don't know the details and never knew whether or not to believe it. She's passed now, sadly, but I must try to find out. Believe your granny. She'll never tell you a lie. It's the truth. I've been several times to the Ballyshannon Festival in Donegal, and it's fantastic. Despite what the councillor said, there is a huge European crowd that attended every year. In earlier years, all the gigs were free in the town square and the surrounding bars. A Rory Festival in Cork is well needed and should be supported. 
Any chance you'd play Going to My Hometown, says Jay from Cove. Well, why don't I play it? Maybe we might finish on it tomorrow. Gallagher is definitely one of our own. He's buried, buried on Cork soil at St. Oliver's Cemetery in Ballincollig, and so say all of us. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Lots to do uh, tomorrow, and of course we'll be uh, also taking an old look or two at Halloween um, and have some fun with that. And it's a free food Friday as well. So have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.